0: both be low energy man like you got you can't be yawning at me like right at the start of the episode or even before we get going on the episode i'll be all right once we get going are you sure because i'm like christy like that once i know i got an audience well you have an audience now because welcome back to dance for what dance everybody this episode (laughs) 265 we're just gonna jump right into it because like otherwise i'm gonna cry into a pile of whatever just (laughs) crumpled into a puddle or whatever i don't think any of that's gonna i don't think any of that made sense but i don't give a shit i'm baked (laughs) and it's friday night we're gonna talk about something that's gonna make me depressed now so (laughs) yes how you doing this week uh not bad just uh we 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 re-inaugurated our cocktails and cupcakes parties last weekend because you know sort of everybody that we know pretty much is all vaccinated and shit and so had people over got to make drinks for people again got to see a bunch of people i hadn't seen in a while so yeah it's fun cool that's nice i know i've sadly missed it i had so many other things to finish up and get done gotta get you up here at some point Uh, i was up (laughs) there actually technically yesterday so (laughs) you were you were close yeah i was pretty close yesterday so that was nice but you know that shit's just not gonna happen anymore so Mm -hmm. whatever all right let's get into the news we'll start with the sad one first and then we'll go into the the fun horse shit later but sadly sunny chiba died this week most famously, most recently, and most famously, probably in our sphere, for was in Kill Bill one and two as Hattori Hanzo. Yeah, but he was in like tons of other like fantastic kung fu stuff. Like famously, the first one was Street Fighter, which is mm-hmm. just one of those like I can't remember if it was City TV or one of those like Moses nimer channels in Toronto that used to do kung fu movies at like yeah. after midnight on Saturday. Yeah. I well, I ate that shit up as a kid, so I saw all his like Sonny Chiba and Bruce Lee stuff. So sad yeah he's one of those like just recognizable dudes right like if you yeah. saw him you'd just Some be like oh i've seen that dude in so many things kind of thing yeah and, and uh, his sort of denouement or whatever you want to call it with with hanzo as, yeah and kill bill i, I love that role he was so good in it he was yeah perfect in that role and sadly this is like more COVID shit he died of complications due to the <sighs> coronavirus so get your fucking vaccines kids because i'm gonna start talking about how i can't go to concerts anymore because of this <sighs> shit and i'm gonna get real angry with everybody you so ain't fucking around it's uh, still a deadly disease, you know what I mean? So get vaccinated against it if you can. There was an Eternal trailer. Well, we'll move on to more entertaining news anywhere. There was an Eternals trailer. Oh, my God, I can't speak English. Trailer. An Eternals trailer that came out this week <laughs> that finally kind of explained some of what is going on in this movie. Did you actually check the trailer out? Or I did, yeah. Uh, fucking Galactus was in there. Yeah, well, it's celestials. The, they're celestials. It's not yeah. Galactus, oh, okay. quite. We'll get. We're getting there. That's, it looked like fucking Galactus. Galactus it looked is like a, it could have been Galactus, anyways. Yeah, and we are getting into that sphere of the Marvel yeah, universe. Too. Yeah, so that's pretty dope. They uh, did some real hand wavy, like this is why we couldn't fight Thanos shit. Of course. What were you expecting it to be? Do you expect there to be an actual logical reason for that? Aside Mm -hmm. from, like, we hadn't thought about the plot of this movie when we fucking (laughs) wrote Avengers (laughs) Endgame? Like, that's, I mean, it's fair. Like, our boss said we weren't supposed to. A little bit of planning might have been nice in that instance. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there was a reason why. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. But what are you going to do? All the Eternals got snapped or something. I don't know. I mean, sure, sure. I don't know. I'm I'm on board. It looks beautiful. Like that's the one thing that you can kind of pull from the movie. Like visually, it looks stunning. So yeah, it has a really distinctive sort of uh, effect style and costume style and everything like that. And I think yeah. there's been a lot of stories so far about it that like a lot of it's in camera too. Like I mean, obviously mm-hmm. they're like the Celestials and shit are CGI, but like they let the director just go and find the coolest, like most visually impressive locations to shoot in. Yeah, Chloe's out. And like she just went and did that. Yeah. So like. Dynamite stuff. So yep. there you go. Yeah. We're only two fucking weeks away from uh, Shang Chi now, too. We got plans for that. Yeah, assuming uh, they don't shut everything fucking down at this point, then sure. Yeah, <laughs> the cases have leveled off. I don't think they're going anywhere. And no, we'll see. Not too bad in Ontario, we'll see what happens. This isn't exactly our sphere, but we do cover Jeopardy a lot, so <laughs> I have to kind of talk about the Mike oh, Richards. Jesus hiring himself to become host and then like yeah, exactly. realizing that like oh i have all this hateful sexist racist horse shit in my twitter and like just <laughs> existing background. and podcast which and uh podcasts, hit which yeah. Is, yeah, th- hit this this cold. this off-color podcast that i used to do like six or seven years ago i was like well i hope that we're never up to host a major game show well, yeah well there's that though i i think i don't think we would ever call someone a booth o which is no, one of the I things think, that he did on his podcast. I think the worst I would say would like referring to them as booth babes is they used to be referred to. Like, pretty commonly but that's about it at this mm-hmm. point i'm sure that's sexist also but you know at this point just fucking get lavar in there and like we can all yeah. call this square just What's that they in? said they're going back to fucking like doing more guest hosts and auditioning more people and shit I was like no just you got the fucking guy he's ready he wants to do it i i've been seeing a lot of like twitter talk about like how he wasn't that good or whatever on his first thing and i'm like there's this i this is my this is going to be my I'm a creative rant for this. Well, actually, I'm going to have a couple of rants probably this week. But <laughs> this is my I'm a creative rant. You can't hire somebody to do a job like that and expect them to be fucking perfect right out of the goddamn gate. Well, look at Trevor Noah. Trevor Noah took a bit to find his stride on Daily Show, but he's great now. I would argue he still hasn't found the stride that I <laughs> want him to hit. So, yeah, that's a perfect <laughs> example of it. But, like, I, I definitely think, that like, LeVar's got the personality to do it. He may just need some fucking time to get used to the rhythm of the show. Like he obviously never hosted the fucking yeah. show before, so like you can't just like put yeah. a creative person in a role and then expect them to do it perfectly the first time. You got to yeah. figure this kind of shit out. Yeah, I mean, right? Mike Richards had a fucking advantage off the bat, even though he's like fucking dry and he's another fucking boring ass white dude that who nobody knows. You yeah. know, he obviously knew the show and knew the rhythms and the, and the how the show runs and that sort of thing. So he obviously had an advantage there. So sure, he was gonna fucking be good when he guest hosted, but like just give fucking give it to Levar. Um. Yeah, I'm on board with that. So, uh, oh, I wrote a note. Oh, you know what? We'll talk about OnlyFans also being extremely stupid this week. <laughs> well, you, you never go full Tumblr, Mark. And I that just, is what OnlyFans is doing. I just, I was sitting here looking at an enterprise, like a, a billion dollar enterprise built on the back of sex workers, ostensibly. Oh, yeah. Right? And yep, 100%. they... Now that they have to acquiesce to bankers, they need to, they've, they are going to, they've made their billions and it's oh, kick this kid. Oh my God. Just kick the sex. It's over so the fucking, earth. so fucking frustrating. It's I wish so I had hard. the fucking money to put up my own OnlyFans site and just let it run like on its own kind of thing. Cause I could probably figure out the back end of a site like that and put it up. It can't be that difficult. I yeah. know smart people. I, should, I need, I need startup capital guys. <laughs> Let's do this yeah. thing. They can have my, they can have my platform to sell their shit on. I don't care. Just just fucking infuriating. Like you said, you know, it's a platform that was built on the backs of sex workers and their content. And now they're just saying, Oh, I'm sorry. Were you relying on this for your fucking livelihood? Yeah. That's a shame. Bye. (sighs) Like, and now everybody's trying to say like, well, it's only like explicit content and stuff. And they're only doing this to like, stop fucking, you know, like pedophiles and shit from going on the site. It's like, no, they're not. They're just, you know, they want softcore and nothing else on there is what they fucking want, and that's not what people want to fucking look at. No, it's really not why I use OnlyFans, so like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <sighs> I don't know. What we're saying is that support your local sex workers over the coming months. You can use OnlyFans as an excuse. Sure. That's why I spent 10 grand on porn, because <laughs> <It's> <laughs> they, needed, they needed my help. That's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you're going to roll that direction, then you can yep i don't know where to go let's just move on to the next one tim uh can you explain this disney nonsense you're cl- you've been clogging oh, up my facebook me. feed with please because i don't think i only shared one thing about it but yes it's a fucking horror decision so disneyland and disney world anybody that has attended disney parks in the last like 20 years or something like that knows that they have this service called fast pass where it started out where you went into the park, you could go to a ride, and if the line was too long, you could get a little pass that said, Okay, you can come back during this time, like you know, between like one and two PM or something like that, and get the ride with like little or no wait time. So it's kinda like you were waiting in line, but you got to go and do other shit while you were waiting in line. And More recently, that transformed into you were able to do this via like their app at Disney World, anyways. Disneyland still had the paper Fastpass systems. But since COVID started, they and when the parks reopened, they completely got rid of those services. So, Currently, it's just back to like your traditional fucking standby lines with no options for fast pass or whatever. And now they've said, okay, we're going to roll out this great new app that will help you like plan your day and direct you to things that have like low wait times and stuff like that. Oh, and if you want to do that thing that you did before where you can virtually skip a line or whatever, now you've got to fucking pay for it. So you've got to pay $15 per day per person for this new Genie Plus app service that allows you to access a quote unquote lightning lane to avoid longer wait times. And on top of that, there are going to be certain rides that aren't even fucking included in that and that you have to pay like a la carte to get like a, a line front of line kind of pass or whatever. So basically it's it's creating like tiered guests at Disney parks now. Like you, you know, you go in and somebody is able to pay more to not have to wait in the lines when did we descend into the most boring dystopia that is possibly imaginable? Like what horrible hellscape of a world have we created at this point? Yeah, it's not, not good. I'm not happy with it. And I, nobody that I know that, you know, is a Disney parks nerd is fucking happy about it either. Disney's happy about it. Cause they're going to fucking make money because they're going to be people that, you know, want to pay for the privilege of being able to, like, wave at the losers while they walk past them in line and shit like that and feel superior or whatever, but it's fucking Uh, real frustrating. Disney, just fuck off for, like, a week. Yeah. Either way, apparently somebody at Disney also finally informed Anthony Mackie that he'll be starring in (laughs) <laughs> Captain America 4, which was an interesting story this week. We finally it, uh, got a deal with him, basically, is what yeah. happened. <laughs> so, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited to hear that, like, Anthony Mackey's officially going to be starring in that movie. So That's, like, the worst fucking negotiating decision ever. You can't announce that a dude's gonna be in a movie and then go and say... Hey, hey, we gotta you got to go sign yeah, this. this exactly. paperwork, yeah, because like at that point, he's got you over the fucking barrel, yeah, exactly. right? I'll take like, two well. dump trucks of your money, Disney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I saw that you just implemented this shitty fucking policy that you're gonna. I got to pay for my for. Fast Pass somehow, yeah, exactly. <laughs> pay For my Genie Plus, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> this is just fucking frustrating. Kevin Kevin Feige revealed this week that apparently uh, Dominic Thorne will make her debut as Ruby Williams in wakanda forever ahead of ironheart so we're getting that character showing up early that's pretty cool uh, i like when they start i always like it when you get like little pop-ups of characters ahead of time and like teasers and shit like that in the mcu so yeah it's fun like i like it when they they've done some interesting things where they've just like dropped a character in and then gone back and give us given us the origin after the fact and it's, you know, it's, it's fun you know it's, it's yeah exactly the sort of thing where you can get away with it even if it's a character that's not really well known, as long yeah. as like their origin isn't crucial to the plot, you know, you can have them just show up and, or have like a couple fun little references to them or whatever, and then get, you know, wet people's whistles for them. And then you drop the whole fucking origin on us. It works for me. Um, it's, it's MCU stuff. So just like port <laughs> in my head, please. And the last thing is apparently Ben Kingsley actually is in Shang-Chi reprising oh, is his- Yeah. So, like, as the Mandarin again. I guess he's like coming back as, like, whatever. Like, I'm not not sure if he's the Mandarin Mandarin, but at least (laughs) as Trevor Slattery, the guy who, like, acted as the, like, sometimes they do shit. And I'm like, you know, I hate Disney right now, but like, Marvel does shit right sometimes. And we're like, pulling, we're going back to Iron Man 3 and, you know, they always you know they're always going back to like the movies that everybody kind of like talks shit about and like mining them for all the cool stuff. Like they've been like just, Thor of the Dark World and like, went back Dark to in fucking like, Endgame. Yeah. Keep going back to Thor of the Dark World, right? And it's like become the center point of the entire fucking galaxy. It was also in uh, this week's fucking what if. Oh yeah, and, in yeah. Loki. In Loki like, and in this week's fucking what yeah. if too, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like this movie that everybody kind of maligned has now become like <laughs> the center pit of like space four. <laughs> And now it feels like they're going to do it again with like that Iron Man 3 movie. You really don't have a Tony Stark to go forward with. They're still pulling shit out of it to like bring forward into this. Although it makes sense because they were talking about the Ten Rings and that is their organization. We're going to find the real, meet the real one or real version of it now as we get into Shang-Chi. But mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm fucking excited for that movie. Uh, I hope they don't fuck up this movie theater stuff so I can at least go see that. Yeah. Oh. It's only two weeks. Just That's fucking true. keep your shit together for two weeks, Ontario. Yeah, for the love of God, please. <laughs> Did you see this other... I just wrote it in there because I thought it was funny. But the other He-Man series that Netflix is doing, like the CGI That trailer works. looks like hot fucking garbage. I mean, we're not the target audience. Oh, for no. One, but it looks terrible. Oh, I mean, it looks like the video game company design. It looks like a video game company remade He-Man as a video game. It's and, like fucking so. Power Rangers He-Man kind of thing. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think kids will like it. It looks cute. Like, it looks, like like, entertaining. I just... I had no interest in it whatsoever. And the funny thing is our Facebook got a lot of attention this week, (laughs) folks, because I put up a meme that, you know, triggered a bunch of fucking whiny He-Man bros that didn't like the Masters of the Universe series. And so we got a lot of attention. If you go back now, most of it's gone because I fucking deleted and banned the assholes. But like, you could have saved your rage for this guys. Like, I mean, (laughs) this is much more deserving of your vitriol than the fact that they made a He-Man series and released half of it and He-Man's only in like two episodes. Let's face facts, Tim. In, in like 40% of it. <laughs> Let's face facts, Tim. The man babies that you are so intent on spelling out that they are man babies too on Facebook that are never going to understand, but you continue to insist on doing it, you will also find so, like, the energy to be outraged about this. <laughs> I guarantee you. The energy to be outraged for these fucks is always but no. Unlimited. He man's in this one, so that should be fine. That was the only oh, thing no. that that's the only thing that matters for a Masters of Universe series for them. Apparently, I'm pretty sure that Tila was black. There's going to be people commenting. <laughs> like, I'm assuming that like the the destroy like the demolitions girl is Tila,
1: mm-hmm. and like
0: that's black girl, and they're going to be pissed about that because no, I think it's I think it's Evil Lyn. Is it yeah. even better? She'll be pissed about that too. <laughs> I don't Whatever. know. Whatever. I just thought it was funny. Either way. The only other thing I had on here is the next DC animated movie is a Catwoman movie, which... Cool. Great. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, I'm i still way behind on those. I gotta catch up on them. Yeah, that was all I had for news for this week. Did you have anything else you want to talk to? Talk about? I was... Uh, uh... I got real hung up on the uh, Jeopardy and the OnlyFans <laughs> thing this week, because I was just like, why like, why is the entire world fucking, like, just completely insane at this point? Like, just yeah. do just... Ugh. Yeah, these are fucking no-brainers, and you keep fucking them up anyways. Like, exactly. Like <laughs> these are fucking really easy. <laughs> you're like, the fucking unforced errors is what's happening. The OnlyFans <laughs> one is like, I, that is like, like your dream come true as an app developer. You know what I mean? It just takes yeah. off, and you're just making money hand over fist. And it's like, well, they want to they grow for investors. Like, well, do you really think people are going to stop paying for fucking porn? People are going to pay for tits until the end <laughs> of time. I yeah. swear to God. Like, is everybody's gonna find that one girl they really like, and that's the girl they pay for? Everybody's making money. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the only other things I had. One, James Gunn was on a podcast, and he said that he wanted originally wanted Superman to be the villain in Suicide Squad, which yeah. also sounds like it's the plot of that Rockstar game that's coming out. The like Suicide Squad basically has to take down like a out of control Superman. I would have liked to have watched that movie too. Although I like the movie that we got, but I think that James Gunn could have done a fun, fun version with that. I think it'll be more fun to play that game actually in my yeah, head. So I'm kind of like, I'm excited for that game, yeah. especially with Rocksteady. Like those three Batman games are just like, you got to get into those at some point, buddy. That's just chef's kiss stuff. You know what I mean? The, that's yeah. the quality last gen Oh actually Jesus. The first two are I uh, PS3. Ones? I think I already got those ones. Yeah, they came in the uh, Arkham pack that I told you to buy at one point. Right, right, right. Uh, you, might have, you might still need to pick up Arkham Knight, but I think that's part of the PS Plus free stuff. It might just be the DLC you need to grab. It might be, yeah. I don't know. Either way. The other thing I had was a weird little one, just because we talked about all these Batman movies last year. Danny DeVito is going to be writing a Penguin story. It's just like a little one-off in like a, yeah. in one of these like little anthology special kind of books. It's... Gotham city villains anniversary giant 80 years since the penguin first appeared in any of the Batman comics. I I've never seen Dana DeVito write a comic. So that'll be interesting writes, to see. Does he not write on uh, always sunny though? Like I'm sure I'm he writes, sure he gets a writing credit just because yeah, he probably I mean, contributes like even just, you know, his fucking off the wall shit on the set kind of thing. But uh, I, I don't know if he's actually in the writer's room on it that's a guy that you know i mean you say what you want about danny devito and his weird internet fandom like he is beloved on reddit like people will <laughs> put like the ask reddit will be like what's the one celebrity you want to sleep with and the number one fucking selection is always danny devito <laughs> And I know it's ironic, but it's still, I like, them, man. Yeah. I fucking love it. So, you know, I'm on board. No, it's cool. Because, like, did you see that story this week about Michael Keaton? Like, I don't understand any yeah. fucking multiverse <laughs> yeah, shit. Like, exactly. I just, have no fucking clue. I, I just I just know Batman. And that's I, it. I show up and I play the Vulture or Batman. And, like, <laughs> exactly. I don't give a fuck about multiple universes yeah. or, like, fl- different flashes or whatever the fuck. Why is somebody flashing anybody? He was just all over the place with stuff. I'm like... So you yeah. know Michael Keaton, you're still a you're still a fucking funny motherfucker. You so. <laughs> always kind of forget he started in comedy, right? Like he was a comedian to start, yeah. and then like yeah. went all serious. But he's a funny motherfucker, so he still does like comedic movies on occasion too yeah. and stuff. But yeah, I'm excited actually for him to come back as Batman. It sounds like he's like taking it seriously and like wants to do it. And I'm like, if it's yeah, good, like fun. give me a fucking solo movie again. You know what I mean? Like go back to that universe. At this point, you guys are doing every random fucking horseshit idea you could come up with in D.C. Can you imagine him doing a Dark Knight Returns? Oh, God, that that's where the money is. That's a billion-dollar movie, man. <laughs> that would be insane. That's a billion-dollar movie, honest that's to like, God. Like, like, it's like a two-part movie. You can make a couple fucking that's, movies out of that. That's what I'm talking about. Like, people mm-hmm. have been talking about that, like, bring him back and do the Dark Knight, or a version of the Dark Knight Returns. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, fucking do it like that's money in the bank the keeper apparently is with carrier carrie i can't remember her last name yeah carrie kelly carrie kelly yeah yeah even if you don't touch any of that stuff just do that like old batman story with michael keaton that's money in the bank it like if you especially if he's game like come on he doesn't have that goofy fucking like poofy hair anymore yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> the one thing we all notice both movies, and like, why does he have that goddamn hair? Why does he got a fucking like fucking Kramer hair? Why does he have Kramer hair? It's Batman. It's fucking... yeah. I don't know. Bring Bruce fucking Wayne can't afford a fucking barber. I mean, at this point, like Michelle Pfeiffer's in the Marvel universe, bring her back over. Let's do some sequel shit. They got that <laughs> Batman '89 right. comic going on right yeah, now. Yeah, just I've got that sitting in my pal right here right now. I read yeah. the first issue. It was pretty. It was entertaining. Like it feels about right. The art's not my thing, but that's fine. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's nice uh, to have. Denny Villeneuve, Villeneuve wants you oh. to watch fucking Dune in the movie theaters because, of course, he does. And I want to fucking watch Dune in the movie theaters. So big surprise. And the one thing I, I like the way that he framed it, though, was watching a movie like Dune at home is like driving a speedboat in your bathtub. Yeah, I mean, like I get where he's. It's, I have this problem with the film snobbery of it, even though I am one of those guys <laughs> who would be like. Yeah, I totally would rather watch that in a movie theater, obviously. You know what I mean? Like, that's the, the real experience. Yeah. But, like, when, when people get real, like, snobby about it, I'm like, you know what? Just shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> it was the same thing with Nolan, right? Where he's like, we're releasing it in theaters. And I was like, you know what? In what theaters? Shut the fuck up and just let it happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I'm i sorry this is bad, but, like, yeah. whining about it's not going to help anybody except for yourself, really. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Whatever. That was it. That was all I had. Perfect. Let's move on to geek of the week then geek of the week. Uh, this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. So we'll start with Tim. So I got inspired for better or for worse last week because we had a Friday the 13th it made me think, man, it's been a long time since I watched those Friday the 13th movies. Oh no. Yeah. So I started that. I've watched the first movie. On Friday the thirteenth, and I'm on like the eighth installment now. I've kind of been just putting them on while I work, just watching like one a day. What's eight? Which one's eight? Eight is Jason Takes Manhattan. Oh god, that's fucking bad too. Like that's a yeah, real bad one. I'm only about halfway through that one right now. Oh my god. Dreadful. Yeah, some of the uh like like I think it's like five through nine are just like dog shit, like rough yeah. to get through. Yeah, Jason takes Manhattan. I, I've definitely like Jason, Jason in space or whatever it was. Jason. X was yeah. Jason X. Yeah. That one was entertaining enough, but it's still like, wow, we are very far away from the source we formula. of this. Really point. scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. yeah. We're like trying to do alien with Jason. What is going on here? This makes no fucking sense anymore. So yeah. So I've definitely been reminded why it is my least favorite of the big three, like slasher series, like oh, yeah. nightmare on Elm street, Halloween and, and Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th has always been the one that just didn't grab me as much. And it's, so much just it's really fucking scattered has no real substance at all and like i would argue that like friday the 13th or that halloween and and definitely nightmare on elm street are just a lot more cohesive and have a lot more going on in them kind of thing well i mean it's just like the argument of like the auteur right like you west craven kept his fingers on nightmare on elm street like the entire run so it's always him like kind of shaping the world and whereas friday the 13th pounces between like the worst schlockiest (laughs) directors like of all time and that's why like there's no cohesion whatsoever like everyone's a different director a different style there's no never any fucking explanation whatsoever as to why jason Jason becomes like this unstoppable like unkillable like undead creature or whatever it just never they never fucking lay out their rules yeah the way that nightmare on elm street does especially so like there's some fun kills. I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's that like ultimate or example of the you know camp killer kind of sleepaway camp killer kind of thing. And just titties. So there's that. There's, there's always that. that to I help. guess. Yeah. Did um, you ever play the game that I, I feel like no. that was the ultimate expression of that franchise? Because I remember <laughs> playing it when it came out like it was five years ago or whatever. Were you playing Jason? Well, you could you would play either as a group of counselors or you were the Jason like mm-hmm. and it was random you would spawn in and be like oh i'm the jason this time so you would go around and just fucking murder the counselors and the counselor's job was either to stall you long enough that they could escape yeah it's just like an online scenario kind of thing but it was just like a ton right. of fun to play like you just bounce into random like games and just like either survive or take jason down or there's yeah, that yeah. one character that keeps coming back like rick scott or something on you know, that rick scott might be a marvel character or whatever oh the the one that Corey fucking what's his name that one of the Coreys played oh sure uh, yeah but it's like, the guy comes back a couple times. Every once in a while you'll get that character and he gets to come in and rescue everybody because he's like almost as powerful as Jason for some reason. In the, I don't know, whatever. It's cor- the game was Corey Feldman oh. who, was, who was in the final chapter, which was like the fourth or fifth one and definitely oh, didn't fine. end up being the yeah. uh, final chapter. But yeah, Corey Feldman played was it Jarvis something. Tommy oh. Jarvis, I think. I don't know. There's a, there's yeah, Tommy a specific Jarvis, that's it. Yeah, there's a specific character that they use in that in the game to be like kind of the counterpoint sometimes. Well, that's the other thing is like Nightmare on Elm Street had had their line camp come back a bunch of times, yeah, you know, the over Nancy the years. Right? And and the, yeah, Nancy and the same actress playing her every time. Mm-hmm. Whereas like this when that Tommy Jarvis character shows up, it's a fucking different actor every movie. It's like there's no there's no consistency whatsoever between That's these just guys. Yeah, exactly. Like, no Wes Craven, basically. You don't have that auteur yeah. guy in the, the driver's seat. And Halloween's the same thing, right? Like, yeah, they bounce away, but you always kind of, like, have Carpenter coming back every once in a while to, like, yeah. put his stamp back on it. Like, he's yeah. come back, what, two or three times? Yeah. And done other Halloween movies. So, And, like, the other thing that really struck me at the beginning was just because I've watched the Psycho movies within the last couple of years, too, is just how much those first couple of movies steal straight up. Like, straight, even, like, full-on fucking, like, camera angles and shots and stuff like that. Like, those POV shots, like, from Jason, like, you know, with, like, yep. the knife coming down on people, straight up fucking, like, from Psycho, yeah, from yeah. Hitchcock, and, like, even the fucking, like, the music, except for, like, the, but, like, the strings and everything are, like, yeah. the exact cadence of the fucking Psycho score, so. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe don't go back and watch the Friday 13th movies again. <laughs> yeah, no, I had just gone back like last year when the, they did a bunch of 4K dumps of the uh, the Hitchcock movies. Like I watched Psycho mm-hmm. on, in 4K. Just, I mean, not that it improves the picture that fucking much at this point, like this ancient black and white movie, yeah. but like it's still, it was, it's just an excuse to go and watch it again, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's still like, yeah, this is why like some modern horror, even some That's modern nice. horror doesn't work properly for me. Because like the first bunch of movies that I saw that were like that, one of them was Psycho. Like, Mm -hmm. where do you go from there? Like, everything's down from there until you get to, like, Silence of the fucking Lambs. Like, there's not like You've got to do a a unique take on a slasher because fucking, like... Well, it's just Psycho is the ultimate version of that slasher kind of thing. Exactly, and it's very telling that, like, even 20 years later, they were still aping that fucking movie, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, there was no evolution from that, which is, that's very depressing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what are you going to do? I, for my part, have basically just been like playing video games. I got commissioned to do a bunch of stuff and then it got canceled. So I was like, well, my free time is all of a sudden mine again. So I have Metro Exodus sitting here to play and I got a really fucking high end graphics card that is going to run on with full ray tracing. So like, let's kill some fucking mutants and shit. So I saw something this past week about a, a Castlevania, like an old Castlevania game that got shelved that apple is now bringing back to life oh really i didn't see that there was uh there was a canceled castlevania game for dreamcast i think uh is what they're talking about is that the one Let's maybe uh, I look it up i've been playing a bunch of like good metroidvania games axiom verge 2 came out this week like actually came out yesterday i haven't picked it up yet because they didn't put it on steam it's on the epic game store which just fucking honks me off i guess i could pick it up for playstation but like I played the first one on fucking Steam and I want to play the second one on Steam because I like playing those on PC a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then uh, what else? Oh, there's this other one that just came out on Game Pass called Recompile, which is another Metroidvania thing. Like, you should look at the trailer for this just for, like, the visuals of it. It is the coolest fucking looking game I've seen this year. And then that game that everybody's been talking about, Hades, uh, came out on Game oh, Pass yeah. this week, Which I so I grabbed that and was I've been fiddling with that. I'm not usually big on the roguelike, like you constantly die and like revive and start from the beginning kind of thing, but this game is fucking pretty cool, so I might spend a little bit more time with it this weekend. So yeah, I got tons of games I'm playing right now. Metro Exodus, though, fucking beautiful in 4K with like full ray tracing and stuff. Like It is, even some of the character models from a distance, I'm like, whoa, that looks eerily real, like because of the lighting being so much like ray tracing makes such a weird difference in terms of like how real a scene looks because the mm-hmm. light bounces properly and stuff. And it's like, that's ah, really, that's fucked up. Like especially when you have the good 4k, like HDR running on your monitors and stuff, it's, it can look real fucking cool. So I was very happy with the way, uh, Metro Exodus is rendering out on this machine. Nice. It almost makes me want to go back and replay control again. Cause that's another like ray tracing, like, masterpiece and any excuse for me to go back to the oldest house is always like i'll fucking take it because that game is just dope (laughs) as all get out so this game that i was talking about the castlevania one was uh grimoire of souls it was only canned in 2019 and they've they're bringing it back for apple arcade oh is that the was that going to be the oh lord was that the iphone game they were doing or something yeah it looks like it was a mobile game Yeah, okay, yes, that makes sense. There's been a couple canceled Castlevania games. I think there was a Saturn game and a Dreamcast game that both got canceled because of those systems, somewhat lackluster North American performance. But, I mean, whatever. I haven't tried Apple Arcade. I can use it on Apple TV, I think, so maybe I'll give it a shot. I'm not Mm -hmm. super, I don't need more game sources, you know what I mean? It's bad enough my library is starting to get split on PC because of the Epic Game Store. Like That's already annoying me like all that stuff that I I'm super behind on our episodes. I just listened to that, uh, ghostbusters, the game episode. And I was uh, bitching about the fucking Epic game store. Cause I, I, that was, I had to get that for that fucking yeah. game, <laughs> which is weird. Cause it's in steam now. Like I, I grabbed it on. It steam. wasn't then oh, it's, it is now again, or the remaster is on steam now. I think mm. maybe did we do it before the remaster came out mm-hmm. or no. Well, Cause I played the remaster. No. Yeah. We reviewed the remaster, but okay. yeah, the only way that you could get it at that point was on the fucking Epic game store. Oh, fair enough. I think I had a pirate copy. Oh, no, I bought it for PlayStation. I did but, get a uh, copy of Death Stranding uh, that's in my Steam store now that uh, came with my processor. New CPU. I oh, was at the Kojima game? The Kojima one, yeah. Uh, apparently that runs real nice on PC, so when you get your graphics card, you might want to wait till you get your graphics card. Oh, yeah. Because it might yeah. eat your IGPU for fucking breakfast. <laughs> uh, the game's very heavy graphically, so uh, I think it runs nice since, like, locked 60 on PC, though, so... It's been a while since I've looked. I didn't really particularly overly care for it, but uh, you know, it's an interesting Kojima-like experience to kind of slog through for a couple hours at the very least. I might go back to it at some point. It just didn't like grab me, and it came out around the same time that I finally got control, and that just like that fucking game blew my mind. So I was like, yeah, (laughs) this boring game where I'm carrying shit's not as much fun as the one where I play the sexy psychic redhead that blows fucking things up with her brain. So I'm gonna go play that one instead. Also, she's on a it's weird because the actress who plays the lead and control is also on a soap opera my mom watches so i keep seeing her on tv so i'm wandering around the house what why mm-hmm. why is courtney H- oh yeah because she's on young and the restless now that's really weird <laughs> that's, yeah <laughs> so anyway yeah that was it for me just like playing as many video games as i can get my hands on try not to think of the state of the world because otherwise uh metro exodus maybe not the best choice because it is like a post apocalypse a post-apocalypse <laughs> moscow What's well, training yeah, yeah. fuck actually <laughs> i made that joke this week yeah. <laughs> somebody somebody's what are you playing right now i'm like oh i'm training i'm playing metro exodus like training yeah. for what Post i'm like a- post-apocalyptic the future. yeah simulator basically yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm doing, yeah, I'm doing so, some simulator training right yeah. now what is it gonna be like to live in the fucking subway system for, for, for like 30 years or whatever oh. mm. wonderful anyway let's move on to the meat of the episode Meet of the episode, sweaty concert hall meet. So, yeah, yesterday I got to make my return to concert going. I got to see Matt Mays and Sam Roberts up at Budweiser Stage in Toronto to wear a mask the whole time. It was. That's the, that's the Ontario play stage, isn't it? It was. It is the former Molson Amphitheater. Yeah, that's I what call I call it. Budweiser okay. Stage now. I, I will. I Yeah, I'm only calling it the official name because we're recording a podcast. Otherwise, I would just still call it the amphitheater because in my head it's, it's still. Yeah. The amphitheater. It's the same as the ACC. Like I it's I know it's Scotiabank Center or whatever now, but I can't yeah. not say ACC when I think about that arena. So yep. it's like uh, we have an even better example in Toronto, also Skydome, like has been called the mm-hmm. Rogers Center officially for like a decade now. And nobody, nobody calls fucking it calls Rogers. it the Rogers <laughs> Center. <laughs> it's the, the only people who call it that are the newscasters basically who are paid <laughs> to fucking make sure they're saying they're corporate overlords. Or shield. anybody that's like under fifteen. <laughs> yeah. I well even then, like it's still like your parents would be calling it the Sky Dome. i can't imagine you would pick up roger center from anything but the news yeah. so anyway yeah uh so we <laughs> tim wanted to talk about concert stuff and now i'm all bummed out because my tea Party concert got canceled Ugh. and because uh, covid continues to go up but we'll tell so we can talk about some concert stories i'm gonna make you start though because i don't have like a specific <laughs> list of stories and i want to get some tone from you first before i get like are we gonna get weird because I've I've been to too many concerts at this point. Like it's such like just a regular everyday occurrence that I've seen the most bizarre shit ever at concerts, and like I've had the most mundane walk in walk out experiences ever, and all fucking kinds. You know what I mean? Like I'm (laughs) at this point, I've probably seen a thousand concerts in like and plus kind of thing in my life. And I'm not oh, yeah I'm, I'm not in the four digits I'm I'm yeah. somewhere in the the triple digits. Yeah. Uh but so part, part of the thing that brought this up for me was I've been reminiscing lately cuz been visiting my parents over the past couple months now that we're all vaccinated and one of the things that I grabbed from their house was like my, all my old ticket stubs. Okay. Uh so like I was going through some of those and like reminiscing so it's been just crazy for me like how many how things just have blurred together over the years like I'd forgotten like how many edge fests i'd gone to like i i went to two i thought i'd only gone to one edge fest but i went to two went to yeah. 2001 or 2000 and 2001 and like i didn't realize that i'd gone to three different warp tours i thought it was two max but i went like to two 2002 and 2003 in Barrie and 2004 in orlando so yeah i just was just like reminiscing about shit like that but the first one that i want to talk about was a really weird just sort of sporadic concert experience, spontaneous kind of concert experience. So it was George Thorogood and the Destroyers. Okay. In 2002, it was at the House of Blues in downtown Disney in Orlando. (laughs) And so what was, what happened was like, uh, it was for starters, it was right around the time that like my dad was kind of going through like his little midlife crisis, which involved like him growing his hair out and like kind of getting into like the biker culture a bit. Like he, bought a couple motorcycles, like old like British bikes and was restoring them. And like as part of that, he started getting like real into bikery kind of music, including George Sorogood you know, like bad of the bone, one bourbon one scotch, one beer and all that. So we were at Disney World on vacation. I can't remember exactly where it was, if it was like we were walking around downtown Disney and saw or like I don't know how we became aware of it, but my dad found out that while we were there, George Sorogood was putting on a concert one night. <laughs> And it was me and my sister and my dad and my sister's friend that was tagging along with us. Uh, and so my dad was like, oh, my God, we have to go. And my sister and her friend were like, you don't fucking want to go. This sounds stupid. I was like, OK, sure, I'll go with you. So he got tickets for both of us. And so we went to the concert and my sister and her friend, they went sh- just shopping in downtown Disney. And this was like fucking before the age of cell phone. So it was very much one of those like, OK, you guys just wait here. This is when the concert's supposed to be done. We'll come out and meet up with you kind of thing. My dad didn't really go to concerts that much at that point. So like he wanted to be like right up by the front. I was like, okay, fine. And we, so we got up there like before George Turgut even started, you know, had a couple beers or whatever beforehand. Uh, And then of course you've got like those douchebags that like, as soon as the music starts, like is about to start, they start like elbowing their way up to the front or like, you know, my girlfriend's up there and that sort of bullshit. And so one dude starts, like, pushing his girlfriend in front of us, and my dad, like, did not take that well, so he, we, like, shoved the guy a little bit, like, this guy's a younger guy, like, probably about my age, like, in, like, his early 20s at the time, and started, like, mouthing off at him, and, like, damn, you're got in a fight with this kid. That's fucking funny. So, like, I had to stop my, like, you know, 50-something year old father at that point from getting into a fight at before the concert had even started at a George Gordon <laughs> show. <laughs> <Disney> World. <laughs> that's fucking fantastic so I mean that's that's like before the fucking show even started the show itself was fine like George Soargood even though he was getting on in years at that point like had pretty good energy and the music was fine. The Destroyers were looking a little bit more like the Destroyed by that point. You'd <laughs> tell that they'd been through the fucking ringer. Fucking, how long have you been working on that joke? Come on, buddy. You've, oh. you've been working on that one for like, years. Oh, I've, been out, using, right? I've been using that one for okay. years. That sounds like what <laughs> you've been working on for Actually, a think, long time. I think that one was one of my dads uh, okay. that he, he came up with after that show. Uh, that it's that a good that one. <laughs> like that, him, but, yeah, it yeah, sounds like what you practice. He was, <laughs> he was very much... The, the, the Yeah, the Destroyers were very much clearly waning by that point... Like, Let's say. <laughs> when I saw Motorhead, it was very much the same way. Like Lemmy's <laughs> always pretty spry, but the rest of the boys were looking like mm-hmm. you know, road hard put away wet kind of thing at that point in their run. So yeah. But I yeah. mean overall like it was it was a fun little bonding experience. I mean I don't hate George Sorgood and his music. Like it's fun. They're classics, you know yeah. kind of like classic rock standards kind of things. I mean it's not one of those things that you get to do very often with your parents, right? So what happened though was that George Sorgan played well past the curfew he was supposed to stop at. Like he just kept, you know, yelling at the crowd, like you want us to keep going, and they were like, yeah. Of course, was like they want us to stop, and we we're like, no. And so he just keeps fucking playing, and he can probably get away with that most places, but not at Disney World. They're you know kind of strict about that sort of shit, and so. I think you you know he was he was maybe supposed to stop playing at like 10:30 or 11 or something like that and went like a good hour over like a like 45 minutes to an hour over and ultimately I if I'm remembering right he got like straight up like just shut off by the venue like they just shut off his like his mics yeah the PA and everything at one point and so he's like all right well bye so we get out of the show like an hour late my sister and her friend were waiting outside everything at downtown disney was closed by this point And they're just fucking fuming at us for the rest of the trip because like we just fucking left them there and like they had no, again, no fucking cell phones or anything. So we just said, yeah, we'll meet you here after and around this time. And then it was like an hour later or whatever that we finally fucking got out. Nice. Nice. That's my George Thurgood destroyer. Story. I've seen George Thurgood and the destroyers. Actually, yeah. they played at Art Park just across the border here. We get a lot of like living down in Niagara is kind of weird because we get there's lots of options. We get all to those go. casino. Uh, shows well, we get stuff, casino right? shows. They do stuff like in like buffalo and like niagara falls new york all the time yeah. so there's always stuff to just like hop over the border and all those b and c stringers that play it that don't yeah, play man. the big cities but play the you know play play the fucking like smaller and then like, like you, buffalo, you'll, is, you'll yeah. get buffalo as like second round tour stop for like yeah. tool and pearl jam so like yeah they'll play tron with the first leg and then like two's buffalo so you get your mm-hmm. you get a second shot in which is i take advantage of a lot like deftones i do that for constantly they'll play like when the borders open well, yeah, like when the borders open, there's that for sure. That's funny. Talking <laughs> about got in a fight. My own, like my best fight story at a concert. I was at a Danko Jones show, and he thanked me for knocking a guy out. Nice. So I was. We were. We we're like. We're. It's. It's great. Right, like the show had just started but there was that fucking drunk douchebag, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like there is at every show. And we were like literally talking about this drinking for six hours already or some shit. And we were literally talking about this while we were at Matt Mays yesterday. I'm like, it was the perfect, it was like the hundred percent return Toronto experience. There's all these idiots not keeping their masks on. Mm. Everybody's all over the place. Nobody's sitting in their seats where they're supposed to be. We get sat next to a, just the biggest bunch of bro douches on the planet. <laughs> it was the perfect Toronto experience. I was like, "Oh, I'm home," you know. <laughs> but either way, I'm at this Danko Jones show. This is like 2005 or something like this. So I'm like 20 whatever four or mm-hmm. whatever, and it's middle of the show, and this drunk fucking dipshit had been just banging into everybody, and he'd kind of gotten to a position where he was kind of stuck near me which is not where the drunk douchebag wants to be because I will eventually hammer this motherfucker <laughs> in the side of the head. Especially in a mosh pit where I'm going to be able to get away with throwing an elbow or something like yeah. that. And this idiot, he's bouncing off people, but then he bounces off a girl, spills her drink, and when she turns around and like just starts fucking screaming at the guy. And he turns around and throws his beer bottle at her. Oh, shit. Misses her, hits the boyfriend who is now already moving into place to, like, whatever. Jesus. Jesus. Dude is literally swing like, winding up to swing and grab, like, hit the girl. Which is happening in, like, slow motion because he's drunk as fuck. And, like, I'm kind of high also at the show, right? (laughs) So, like, I'm watching this happen in kind of quasi-slow motion. (laughs) Bullet time, like, Matrix-style bullet time. Basically. And so the boyfriend pushes the guy back, right? And he lands right on me. And so I'm, like, whatever, throws an elbow back and catches me in the jaw. And I go, like, I shut down. (laughs) And I just cinched up. like my year of wrestling training kicks in. Right. And I just grabbed him at a Nelson and like choked him out. Like I just pulled him down. I just like, you're done. He's way smaller than me. Right. So all I have to do is lift a little bit and he's off his feet and then he's unconscious. Right. Oh, yeah. Like I had coaches teach me how to do this. Like, it, I know how to do it. Okay. I, you got to check the guy after, but like, yeah. So I put this guy out, <laughs> which didn't take long. Cause he was so lit up. He just went right. Like basically went limp in my arms after I cinched up on him. At this point, I didn't realize Danko Jones had stopped playing because he was watching this whole thing from the stage. (laughs) And he yells at the security. He's like, hey, fuckers, that big dude just did your job. Thanks, big dude. You get to come (laughs) up front now. So I got to, like, he. So Danko made the crowd part so that me and this couple could, like, come stand front row for the rest of the show. And while this other guy who I had knocked out. Got ejected from the show because nice. Danko was screaming at him. So that was my like that was my favorite fight story. Aside from the Josh Homme beat the shit out of a guy like right next to me at <laughs> a show in Chicago. We were in. Was uh, he playing at the time, or was well, this- yeah, it was in the middle of the show. So like, and Josh <laughs> is notorious for this, right? Especially back in the day, he was a little lit, and the guy was heckling him from the crowd, and Josh was like fucking shut your fucking mouth. Like I will come out there and face fuck you. Like you're going to get face fucked in front of all these people. And I'm quoting directly here. And like the guy just kept going. And I remember turning to the guy and be like, dude, like he is a giant six foot six Viking. He's going to come down here and fuck you up. Curb stomp you. And honestly, I'm going to grab you to help him. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm telling this guy is he's fucking yelling at Josh. Right. So Josh finally stops halfway through a song. He's like, I fucking had it. Puts his guitar down, jumps out, just, grabs the guy and I'm like oh shit this is actually happening. I watched Josh (laughs) Homme punch a guy three times in the fucking head and drag him to the back of the crowd and like toss him out the fucking door himself and then he fired the security he's like all you fuckers are done. Get out you just (laughs) he's like that guy, the big guy that helped me yeah. And that guy, he, that guy, he's fucking security. now. I was like, oh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> but then he just gets back up on the stage with a fucking bleeding knuckle. and starts fucking playing go with the flow again. And I'm like, God yes. gosh, you're the goddamn <laughs> king. You know what I mean? He probably shouldn't have assaulted one of his concert goers, but. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I I guess that shit must still happen. Like, and as long as it's, Absolutely. it's fucking deserved, then nobody's, you know, that shit might might end up on YouTube or some shit like that but well, like, it does now, as, lo- yeah. as long as it's deserved then like nobody's going to try and fucking cancel Josh Homme for you know beating the shit out of some piece of asshole heckler I just I never understand why heckler. those fucking people yeah why 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 do you fucking pay your for your ticket just to <laughs> go fucking heckle this dude like especially I, a guy who's legit like, going to come out and like beat the fuck out of you like Josh Homme is yeah. the t- you can go look on YouTube like Josh Homme like concert whatever yeah. spat fight this that and the other thing there's hundreds of videos oh, of sure. stopping shows and just screaming at motherfuckers in the crowd and stuff I'm like i get it a little bit more if it was an opener right like that's not who you paid your money to see yeah yeah, yeah yeah but it's in that case like why, fuck. why the like, fuck yeah but in that case why the fuck do you even go like what just fucking go for the headliner you know, fucking hang out at the back and get hammered while the fucking, like, opener plays. And- but this is Queens. The Queens were the headliner, and he was, yeah, like, yeah he's yeah. screaming at Queens of the Stone Age. And I'm like, dude, we all paid to see these guys, and they're kicking ass. Yeah. And actually, what's going to happen is that you're going to get your ass kicked. So, yeah, like, when Josh came out, I grabbed him so he didn't run. Yeah, I was that prick who stopped him and made sure he got his <laughs> fucking hit kicked in by Josh Homme. So, nice. you're welcome, Josh. I did you a <laughs> solid on that one. But Well, alright, since you're Last couple stories have involved like being right down in the fucking pit. Uh, I'll give my best pit story, which happened during my like ska and punk kind of phase in like the late mid 2000s, like 2003, 2004, kind of a, thing. It doesn't matter when it was, I'm still going to hold it against you. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, so th- this. Was real big fish in Catch Twenty Two in the summer of two thousand and four at the Phoenix. Good lord, Theater you Toronto. couldn't pay me to see that show. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so this was all part of that period, like where my sister and I ended up going to a bunch of like punk and ska shows together. It was one of those things that we kind of like bonded over, and it was right after she had started university at Brock, actually. So probably like, were you at Brock still in like two thousand two, two thousand three? I started in two thousand four, actually. Because I was I I'd gone to Niagara first like for ninety nine like two thousand two thousand one and oh, okay. then took some time and then went back to Brock in two thousand four. So. Okay, you would have been there at par- partially at the same time because she would have started in like two thousand two and was there for three or four years, so yeah. would have been there through like. Well, then she she left with me to go to Disney World like two thousand four, and then went back after and finished, but. Yeah, I would have been there after. When she came back, I would have been a Brock by then. Yeah. So. so like I wasn't that into Cash Twenty Two, but I did like Real Big Fish and they played their like cover of take on me, which is a great fucking like punk ska cover. Ska shows always have like a pretty fun energy for the most part, but the pits can get pretty fucking rough sometimes. You get people like skanking and shit like that and they get really fucking into it yeah uh, and so i've been going so to i camps. hated my one van's warp tour that i went to i was like i can't there was like a, one of the deftones yeah. ones and i was like i'm here for deftones but like the rest of this punk those shit. pits are fucking yeah i mean the thing with those pits is there's clearly people in there that are just taking out their fucking frustrations on everybody else in there yeah i yeah. a couple guys in that that van's warp tour got the to feel the the business end of me after they ran into me a couple times with those big fucking clunky boots on and it's like yeah. you know what yeah. You're getting a fucking elbow inside of the head, motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Elbow inside side of the head, motherfucker. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, you're so short. I was just turning. Yeah. So, I'd like, I've been going to concerts for a while at this point. You know, I think I'm experienced. I jump in the pit thinking, like, yeah, I can handle this. Like, this is after I'd already been to a couple of Warp tours. But I hadn't figured out until that point to wear – because I, I was already wearing glasses at that point. I've been wearing glasses since late in high school. I hadn't figured out to wear, like, one of those, like, tethers, croquis or whatever on my yeah. glasses – or to just wear contacts to a show yet. So, and I'm sure you can fucking see where this is going. I totally fucking lost my glasses in that pit. It just got, I just got like jostled around enough to the point where eventually like, you know, somebody like knocked me in the back of the head or whatever. And they just fucking straight fell off my head directly onto the floor. No visibility cannot fucking see them. They are gone. Yeah. Like, and I'm not about to fucking get down on my hands and knees and fucking look for them in like, you know, a half inch of beer and like broken plastic cups and shit like that. And, you know, a bunch of fucking stompy ska fucking fans, right? Yep. (sighs) So I just, I'm like, okay, right. Well, those are fucking gone. I just like resign myself to that. I go through the rest of the show without my glasses. I stay until the very end, like just in case, you know, after everybody else leaves and they turn the house lights on and everything. And I somehow fucking found that pair of glasses. (laughs) How, what? <laughs> so I, I think what happened is they I found them like up near one of the speaker stacks, like oh, on they the got, floor. Just got kicked and slid up, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. They must have got like kicked up, like uh, sort of out of the way pretty quickly, and hadn't really got super fucked up. Like they they weren't, you know, completely un un uh, unscathed. Kind unscathed. Of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like they they definitely were kind of scratched up, and the frames were bent a bit and shit. But like I could still use them. So like I put them right back on and I drove home using those fucking glasses. I was amazed that like my sister and I were both looking for them after the show. And my sister was just like, dude, like they're gone. Well, I mean, (laughs) I'm, I'm in fucking university right now. I, I I guess I was probably still like on my parents insurance at that point, but like I didn't want to have to fucking go back to Brantford, my optometrist or whatever to fucking get new glasses. So I was like, well, I'm still at least going to take a look. And I fucking found him. <laughs> oh, good for you, man. Minor miracle. <laughs> I have been involved in so many after the show search for something on the floor, like <laughs> things. Cause like, especially now, like where I'm like experienced season concert goer, like I don't bring in anything that I like am not willing to part with. Like if I <laughs> yeah. lose it, it's fucking gone. Like yeah. the only thing that I'm like, I would get concerned about is like wallet keys, cell phone, right? Like the, yeah, the core. Phone, yeah, yeah. Anything other than that, I'm like, whoops, like even Ray bands. I'm like, if they go, fuck, that's my fault. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you buy that kind of thing. <laughs> I have had some like I've had dates bring like shit that they're like I, I dropped something out of my purse at the top of Cops Coliseum and it rolled down I'm, like oh no oh, yeah that's gone <laughs> yeah we're going we're not doing that that's gonna be c by C for <laughs> fucking miles like <laughs> yeah. sorry you know, like, I don't know what to tell you uh, I hate that shit so like I can't think of any like good I lost shit in the pit I remember was it Eric it was somebody like who went to a bunch of shows with me early on and Eric was one of like those Eric people. Did, yeah. he, who was like? Uh, I think we had a glasses incident. It'd always be was something like worth meant like asking him about if we ever talked to him again and be like, remember? Like, I think it was a Matthew Good show, and like you lost your glasses in the mosh pit, and then we lost each other because you couldn't fucking see me anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we didn't have cell phones at this point because it was like 1998 or whatever, and we I lost you until because you he couldn't recognize me without his glasses on or something <laughs> like that, and then I was I had to look down obviously to find him in the a sea of people who are much taller than him, generally speaking. Yeah, it became very difficult. So it became like a waiting game more than anything. And then him trying to find the shattered remains of his glasses, like under his feet. He's like, I think I stepped on them. Yeah, that about <laughs> that about sounds right for uh, this kind of adventure. So actually, we have a good. There's a good like Matthew Good story, or like we we went to a concert Eric and I together. It was a Matthew Good show. And I stopped bringing him up, but like there was tons of weird like we went to at, way out of our way to see him kind of thing, and we drove out to Sarnia to see him play like in between the band breaking up and him coming back solo like releasing Avalanche, yeah. and I parked in the worst possible spot,
1: <laughs> and I'm
0: driving like my parents' cars. I'm like that's for like 19 or 20 or whatever, and. So, I drive out to Sarnia with Eric, and I was spending the night in Hamilton, like in theory, but like we, so we went to the show. The show was great. Come out, car's gone because I got towed. And now it's like 11 o'clock in Sarnia or London <laughs> or some shit like that. And I've got to figure out how to get my car back as like the depot's probably closing. And I'm like, are we going to be stuck here overnight? So, I had to like ditch Eric and his friends and go and like solve this issue. <laughs> Because otherwise, I was just go like, I'm just going to ditch them. Because like that, I don't want to have to explain to them that we are stuck in fucking Sardinia tonight because my car got towed. <laughs> because and because they were, I was like, I don't think I should park here. I think this is like a this is a tow zone. And they were all like, No, it's fine. It's super close. Let's just let's just take the chance. And I was like, Okay. But like, so I'm like, I kind of blamed them for it anyway. So I'm like, I'm getting home whichever way I'm getting home. If I get my car, I'll go get them. But otherwise, I'm just going to the bus depot and they can go fuck themselves, basically. <laughs> And turns out, like, I was able to get my car. Like, Eric and I figured it out, and we got the car back. But it was, for a minute there, we were like, oh, shit. Well, what are we going to do now? Because we're, like, kind of stranded in, like, Sarnia without my Taurus. And I don't know yeah. what to do. So, so my my car-related, like, concert story would probably be... I don't remember what year this is. Uh, it would have been, like, late late 2000s kind of thing. But uh, my my friend Mark... Uh, who's actually at the party last weekend, my that was one of the guys that I went to Coachella with. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a couple of years after that. So this is one after I came back from Disney World. I went and like hung out with him for a weekend in Toronto and went like I think it was, I don't know if it was north by northeast, but it was like some big like citywide festival kind of thing like that yeah. where there was just shows playing at a bunch of fucking venues. And I think we saw Raising the Fun, and I think we saw Scissor Sisters. And after that Scissor Sisters show, I went back and I parked like on their place, which was like on Bloor Street, like on a major street in this house that they were renting. And I had not looked at the fucking parking signs and I Mm -hmm. definitely parked my car overnight somewhere I should not have. And my car was fucking gone in the morning Yeah, and I had to go to like, you know, get a cab or whatever to the fucking impound to get my goddamn car back and pay 150 bucks for ever to get it out of yeah. impound. also yeah, yeah that, that's exactly. always the that's the best part about that that's the of only term. time i've ever had a car be like impounded like i've gotten like yeah. booed a couple of times but that's yeah. the only time i've been i've had my fucking car like towed and like gone out in the morning and be like well, my car has gone. <laughs> yeah, no, that that concert was actually the only time, and it was because I did it so early in my concert going, kind of like career. That it was one of those things where, like, you know what? I always park in official parking now because people <laughs> will be like, "Why do you? Why will you pay the fucking ridiculous prices for parking?" I'm like, "Because I'm not getting so, fucking towed. Yeah, exactly. I'll pay the twenty five dollars. Fuck it. I don't want to get towed. I'll pay twenty five bucks to not fucking yeah. get towed. So fuck that." Yeah, my my favorite car story and like weird car thing that happened. I was I had tickets to Pearl Jam, obviously in Buffalo. And I fucked up and my enhanced license hadn't got to me in time. So I had an, an expired enhanced license and no passport. This is 20, not 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. before it became like really like everybody has to have a passport constantly kind of thing. And so I had my enhanced license, but it was expired. And we're driving over and I'm, I'm just praying that this guy is going to fucking show me mercy, right? Like that's basically <laughs> what's going to happen. And as we're pulling up to the fucking border and my cousin's laughing at me, he's like, I'm just going to catch a cab and go to the show, right? You know that I'm just ditching <laughs> my passport. I'm like, yeah, I know. I understand. But I just got to try, right? Because the fucking enhanced license office boned me. Either way. So as we're pulling up, all of a sudden my fucking car starts to like rumble. And I'm like, what Oh no. is going on? I blown a flat. Just as I was pulling up to the thing. And I'm like, un-fucking-believable, right? <laughs> so I'm ta- explaining this to the guy as the guy's looking at my flat tire and looking at my expired license and all this shit. And he's like, and what are you trying to do? I'm like, I was just trying to get to see Pearl Jam like up the street, basically. And he's like, you know what? Pull over, put your spare on and I'm going to let you fucking through. And I was like, thank you, <laughs> sir. So we got over. John and I put the spare on the Altima. We got back on the road. We got to Buffalo and we saw Pearl Jam. The best part was coming back over. The border guard was like, so he's looking at the spare and then I pull up and like he's like, he wants your ID. So I hand him my expired license and whatever. He's like, they let you over with this. I'm like, yeah, I blew the flat just <laughs> as I was pulling up and he showed mercy. It was like, fuck it. I can't ruin that kind of karma. Have a good night, sir. I was, exactly. like, let me go, I was like, thank you. Awesome. So like, yeah. Thank I Thank you. Yeah, white privilege. Yeah. basically, Thank you for being a white person. I guess it <laughs> works for me. Yeah. Yeah, so that was, yeah, That I don't usually, I'm usually very, like, if, make sure the car's in good shape before I drive it to the city kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I've had a couple, like, I'm driving up to the city and all of a sudden the electrical system goes weird and all the lights inside the car turn on because, like, a switch in the door is broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just randomly, like, now my battery's draining constantly. I got to pull the light, light sockets and stuff out. Otherwise, yeah. the car's going to die <laughs> before we try and drive home <laughs> after the <gym>. show. <laughs> shit like that. But, like, other than that, you know, you get used to shit like that. That's just the price you pay for fucking wanting to go to a concert every three weeks. The wear and tear on your vehicle is, you know, yeah, considerable yeah. when you're driving like I do sometimes to go to concerts. So, yeah. yeah. I was actually, I had one question. Like, what's the furthest you've ever traveled to go to a show? Coachella. I guess that makes sense. Sometimes uh, like, <laughs> was like a <laughs> like, three-day drive. Yeah. We we stopped. We stopped one night in chicago the first night we drove from like southern ontario to like chicago because one of the people that we were going with their like older sibling was in chicago and we totally miscalculated the fucking time like this is pre-gps right this is yeah. like 2004 totally miscalculated the time we got there like it was already fucking like 10 o'clock none of us had eaten anything so like we went and found like a late night diner or something like that to fucking eat food in. Like, we're thinking, like, this is great. We're gonna get to, like, go to Chicago and, like, fucking have a great night out or whatever. And we didn't even fucking get there until 10 o'clock. We just got yeah, yeah, out and yeah. eat food. Then go go home and go to sleep. And then the second night we got from there to Vegas. That was a long fucking That's day a long haul, I man. Yeah. Fuck, yeah. I, was there another? No, I think that was it. I think from there, yeah, from there we we got to Vegas. Again, that was another long ass fucking day. And then we got to Vegas and Like, you know, got pretty late and immediately went out and we did a buffet, realized that like, er, and like bought bottles of wine. And then when we were leaving, we're like, oh man, we didn't finish our bottles of wine. And then the waitresses were just like, yeah, you can take them with you here. Like you just walk around with bottles of wine. So we were just like walking around the strip with fucking like half finished bottles of wine and just Uh getting getting fucking ripped. And then, so that was the second night. The third night we stayed and we basically got to where we're going because yeah. Uh, like it's like Palm Springs or whatever, but we actually stayed in Hollywood that night and like had a night out in Hollywood. And then, uh, yeah. And then the the next night after that was Coachella. The first night of, I think unarguably like me just flying up to Vancouver for shows has, was probably the most travel like i've done for that kind of stuff especially when i was dating joanne and we were back Mm. and forth all the time like Mm. i would buy tickets for weekend shows and like go out there and see it with her and then come home kind of thing yeah but it's like like, i saw a bunch of people five hour flight or something six depending on the fucking Mm. you know depending on what the wind's like that week you know so Uh. yeah so there's that kind of stuff my dream thing at some point if tours ever start again at this point fuck i can't wait for this shit to be over i want to go to a concert again you know (laughs) that was what i was thinking about while we're watching matt maze i'm like this is awesome i'm glad i got to just go to a show i really wish it was one of my bands that i was seeing yeah yeah because you know it's been 18 months and like the last show i saw was like tool and it would have been nice to be able to come back like on tea party or something like that but one of one of the things i figured out uh as i was like going through my ticket stubs and also i've been like up uh updating my like setlist.fm like you know these are the concerts i've been doing because it it like gives you sort of profile is that tea party i think is tied for the band that i've seen the most because i don't like often go see like the same band over and over and over again kind of thing partially just because there was only sort of a pretty narrow set of maybe like five years that i really like went to shows pretty regularly yeah and so yeah tea party is like up there with i think like sloan in terms of the band number like bands that i've seen the most times and it's like three times kind of thing because i think they Uh, were two of the edge fest that i went to and then that show that i went to with you do you want to do the horrible numbers like you want me to tell you what my horrible numbers (laughs) are (laughs) your numbers are like 60 something aren't they so matthew good was 50 before i stopped going to his shows like my last show of his was 50 and that includes the band stuff too so like just cumulatively 50 shows of his the last time i saw the tea party was like 42 or something like that, can, my goal now is to get them above him, basically. Because I feel like that's a... Sleep Matt Good in the dust. Yeah, basically. I feel like that's a goal that's pretty achievable with those guys. They're going to go back on tour eventually. Yeah, yeah. Doing what they're doing, so... Yeah, and I mean, especially if you do like what you had been doing, where you go to like three or four shows on each tour, kind of thing. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Matt Good, I do have a ticket stub here for a Matt Good show on my birthday in 2001. Oh, no. Did I buy it on my birthday? No, the actual show... I must have bought it on my birthday. The actual show was July six, two thousand and one, at the Kingswood Theater, uh, which is like up by Wonderland. Uh, no, that's at Wonderland. I was at that at show. Wonderland. We were at we were at that show. That was the Sloan show. Wouldn't we? you, you were you were in that crowd. You were I in, was that, in that crowd. You were in that crowd. Yeah, yeah, and we were that's in that probably crowd. why I went to that show. I mean, I that, that's the only time I. though, I, well, I probably saw Matt Good at least times. one of the yeah, Edge vests yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. but oh, like, yeah, that, I'd never. But yeah, I probably would not like. I I liked Matt Goodfine, but I probably wouldn't have gone to that show in particular if mm-hmm. I hadn't if Sloan hadn't been opening. That was the last time, the second to last time I saw the band play, like yeah. before they, they broke up, like right after that show. Yeah, that there was you go. That's maybe maybe the first time that we were in the same crowd together. Oh no, you, you said that you were at that uh, raid show at Maple Leaf Gardens. Oh yeah, I was uh, there too. Yeah, cool. yeah, so that's that one was probably the first time we were in the same room together. Okay, here here's you want to <laughs> I don't know if this will make the episode. I might have to cut this out, but this is like the weirdest <laughs> thing that's been going on for the last like couple years. So, and it's about like seeing the same person it shows over and over again. So like 3 or 4 years ago, I was on one of my like Tinder things, like just swiping, you know what I mean? Yeah. Doing that kind of stuff, and I was home for Christmas and I was just swiping and I matched with this girl who like went to high school with a bunch of people I know in town and all this other stuff. Girls beautiful favorite band is the deaf (laughs) tones and then i start realizing she's a live show junkie and she's probably been to like every show i've ever been to also right (laughs) Nice. so we never chat never like meet never like do any hookup whatever tinder stuff but like i don't i'm a visual artist who draws portraits a lot so like i don't forget faces very easily especially when they look like her (laughs) um lady she's like my age either way and it turns out she also knows like everybody i knew somehow in <laughs> high school like people i worked with at the movie theater yeah. like one of my, my buddy Kis Regis, like went out with her best friend and shit like that i never met this girl somehow even though she went to school like in the north end like we were probably at every concert together ever now i see her everywhere she is at every concert i go to so like after we matched i went and saw the deftones and i'm standing at molson amphitheater and there's Kristen, and i'm like oh that's weird. There's that girl that I matched with on Tinder. I didn't go say hi or anything. I just like, that's weird. There she is. A couple months later, I'm going to see Queens of the Stone Age in Niagara Falls, New York. Who's there again? There's that goddamn girl again. A couple months later, I'm at Alice Chains at Massey Hall. I'm walking through the lobby to buy a t-shirt. <laughs> Who am I standing next to at the fucking t-shirt stand? There's Kristen again. And I'm like, this is really fucking weird, right? So I said hello that time, right? Like, do you remember me? She's like, no, not at all. So I explained kind of what happened. She's like, oh, okay. But she gave me that weird, like, you fucking weird, creepy stalker kind of thing. And I was like, (laughs) fair enough. And just walked away. Like, I don't care, right? It's just weird. I shit you not, like, three months later, I'm at Queens of the Stone Age again at Mosin Amphitheater. And I'm on the floor, right? And I'm talking to my my sister and her boyfriend who had bought my front row, like, very front of Section 200 seats that I'd bought. Yeah, and bought me the floor seat so I could get even closer. And I'm standing there talking to them, and I look over to the right, and there she is again. And I'm like, <laughs> "This is fucking nuts!" Like, so I finally go over, and I'm like, "Hey, do you remember me?" She's like, "Okay, yeah." Now this time I remember you. I'm like, do "You know those <laughs> people over there?" She's like, "Yeah." Did I go to school with them? I'm like, "Yeah, that's my sister and her like husband or whatever." Greg, he went to Holy Cross too. He's a year older than me, but like all this shit, mm-hmm. I'm like, "We've known everybody in common." For a million years, we've never met somehow. But now, I see your face pop up at every fucking concert I go to. (laughs) She was at Matt Mays last night. So, like, it continues, right? So, I didn't see her but I post it to Instagram and who likes and starts commenting on my thing. But there's Kristen again. Fucking, Tony. I'm <laughs> like, we got to start coordinating these rides up. I'm living in St. Catharines now. Like we're wasting gas. Going to the same goddamn concerts. So I guess I'll see you at Deftones Gojira like next year or whatever. She's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm just They do a podcast too called, uh, in the, from the Strait or something like that. They just started it. It's like indie music and stuff nice. down here. They were organizing shows before. Covid hit obviously, and I think they were trying to get started again, but I don't know. I don't know what the fuck's going on with anything anymore. The next time they do a show, I'll probably shout it out and like, because I'm going to go. I think just to at this point, I just want to sit her down and be like, "What shows have you been to that we have in common?" It's become like this weird, like, (laughs) let's compare our Setlist FM profiles. (laughs) Yeah, basically, like let's go through (laughs) Setlist FM and just see like how many shows we have in common. Because if she's because I know I saw her at Tool. I no sorry it was Perfect Circle. I saw her at also. And I know she was at the tool show that I was at, like the last one. So it's like we go to every concert, like in common. It's just the weirdest thing. And now because I know, like I recognize her, and like I know, like everybody seems to know her. Also, like I ran into my ex a couple weeks ago, and I asked—I don't know how it came up—but she's like, "Do you know Kristen so and so?" And I was like, "Yes," because she, was, oh, because she was organizing shows at the Mansion House, and mm-hmm. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I've met her," because we were talking about doing gig posters. And she was like, oh, you should get in touch with Kristen. So she's like, do you know her? And I'm like, yeah, she's like my concert stalker. Or not really, but like we just end up at all the same concerts all the time. She's yeah. like, yeah, that makes sense. She was always at the same shows. That, yeah, I remember like the next day she I'd hear you say you were at the same show as her. And I'm like, oh, thanks for introducing me. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Anyway. Yeah. So that's just been this weird thing like that has been going on for years now. And I'm. <laughs> Now I'm in town. I should just be like, can we just go for coffee and like just figure out how many times we've been in the same goddamn room because it's been <laughs> now it's just bugging me. So yeah. Either way, I don't know what else you want to talk about. What other kind of weird concert stories? That raid show was a lot of fun. We were just talking about. It. I think we've talked about it before. We did. We talked about that. So the last time we did an episode like this was. I don't know 3 or 4 years ago at this point it was episode yeah. 73. Fuck that must have been an awful listen did you listen to it? <laughs> I know I did go back. It, it was all right. It was I mean it was back in the Christie days so like we got to laugh at Christie's like weird concert experiences and Oh, is that the one where she like cried in a dumpster or something like that? Was that what she told us? No, the, like, the no, no, not curry? that. Oh, no, I don't think that was on that one. I mostly just listened to my parts just to make sure that I wasn't, like, duplicating. And oh, I'm like, sure. I, I clearly thought we were never, before. ever... Yeah, I clearly thought we were never, ever going to do another concert episode. Because, like, I tried to cram in, like, all of my, like, biggest, most memorable ones. Yeah, so, like, Tim, here here, I was, like... Tim is yeah. our uh, designated get- I-gotta-get-my-shit-in guy. I've got, I got 300 <laughs> pages of notes. we got to get through all of them, like, Tim. Yeah, i got to get them all in here. Four-hour episodes, dude. No, please. Like, <laughs> edit. <laughs> <laughs> and then I added them. So there you go. I don't know what else. I mean, th- those work tours in general were pretty memorable for me. Cause they're, they're fucking experiences. And the, the last one that I went to was in 2004 while I was working at Disney world was so in Orlando, it was in the end of July. I don't know who the fuck coordinated that, but like, yeah, dead of fucking summer in Orlando, in Florida. But even, like, up here, we would do, like, Edge Fest or, like, Somersaults. I think I saw Pearl Jam in, like, August. Yeah, Edge, edge Fest Park. was always on, on Canada, Canada, right? Yeah. yeah. July 1st, yeah. But, like, uh, but in August and Barrie is, like, fucking brutal. Like, just humid and nasty. Like, I remember going up there for, like, Somersault, I think. And just, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't I'm like, oh, somersault. my God, I think I'm going to exist in a puddle for the entire time <laughs> that I'm here. Like, just sweat for the entire day. And, like, you can't breathe in that kind of heat. And, like... And then it's the kind of heat that, like, it takes... Because you're all crammed into a specific area, the heat doesn't really dissipate around you, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's and then so you leave the venue like the crowd of warmth, kind of thing, and all of a sudden everybody's got hypothermia. I remember yeah. specifically, uh, I think it was Edgefest 2000 or 2001. I was there. I it was Tool. Was it Tool? It was Tool. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. 2001. It was, was it one of those two? 2001. Yeah. It was because Lateralis was just about to come out. So I we went up. Uh, Eric was with me at that one also, and a bunch of the like just a bunch of people came with us at that point. But we were staying in a hotel room that night. I actually had a hotel at the Holiday Inn that was like literally up the street. It's perfect fucking planning if you can get a room at that place because it turns into a party house like after the show too, right? Like everybody's staying there, including some of the fans, incidentally. Like that's how I met the guys who were in the Matthew Good band, not Matt, but like I met Ian and stuff because I was in that hotel that night and that's where they were staying too, or not that night, but like at one of the other Fests. But we were at there. We were there for Tool. And the girls had all dressed for summer, basically, right? <laughs> and so everybody's in short shorts and like halter tops and stuff like that. And like I'm, I wasn't exactly dressed for like cold weather either. I, had, well, I was, I was in shorts and like like tevas or whatever the fuck, and like a t shirt basically. And I'm like, but like as tool, like as the sun went down, the fucking temperature just dropped right off. And all of a sudden, I've got girls like that I'm at the high school with who so are like literally their lips are turning blue <laughs> as I'm making them wait between the tea party and tool. And I'm, they're like, can we go? And I'm like, you can take the key and fuck off. I don't care. I'm not missing Tool. Like, I just kind of, like, discovered Tool at that point. And I was like, I need to see this. Like, I need to be here for this. Yeah. So, like, if you guys want to go, you can go. But, they're like, no, you know, we'll try and stay. We'll try and stay. Man, were they pissed at me by the end of that show. Because, like, Tool <laughs> is not going to go on for, like, a short period of time. Like, they played a full set, basically. Or at least, like, 70 minutes. And, yeah, by the end of it, <laughs> like the girls were... Probably need a medical attention. It mostly became like just get in bed and huddle for warmth. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go drink. I don't care. <laughs> whatever. I saw a tool. It was dope. So it's worth it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I was I was at so sorry. You said that one was 2001. It had to be. Yeah, because the Lateralis came out in 2001. I think 2000 right. was Creed, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And I went to I went to that with my girlfriend at the time because for whatever reason it was just you ever have like a girlfriend where like your song just becomes your song because it plays, like, all the fucking time when you're together. Like, on the radio or in a restaurant or something like that. Mm, You're just like, well, I guess this is our fucking song. So, for me and this girl who's, like, my first serious girlfriend, it was Mm. higher. So yeah which is real unfortunate so, Podcast this is, is over uh, this is this is, this the, is same. the last episode of Dance Robot Dance it was a pleasure doing this the show with the you This is the same those, yeah. girlfriend that drugged, that whose favorite band was Matchbox 20 and she drugged me to like two different Matchbox 20 shows over the course of a few years I've had that girlfriend it was more Coldplay I got a lot of Coldplays yeah, I remember you talking about that. I got a lot of Coldplays in my past that like would not have <laughs> happened if I wasn't dating somebody who just happened to be an enormous See, I've Coldplay never fan. I've never seen Coldplay live but I'd like Six to Six times I've seen them <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Six times, yeah. Two two Matchbox Twenties was more than enough for me. And to be fair, it's like, like Coldplay is fucking bad. Yeah, well, like, see, Coldplay, like to me, is just like pap. It's completely fine. Like, I, it, it's like au U two light concert experience, basically. So, like, yeah. I was all right with. Like, I know all the music, obviously, because you would play it constantly. But, like, yeah, after the second or third show, I was like, these guys just—they have no edge. You know, like, there's nothing for me to like, kind of glom onto in there at all. And I'm just like, I can't. Like I hate this, and it's starting to make me hate you a little bit, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, I've had a couple of those. Matchbox Twenty is a band I saw because of a girl, also, and I just like I hate so Matchbox bad. Twenty. They're so bad. One, I have a there's a fun story about a, like a girl dragging me to a show that ended up turning out very positively. Um, I I was dating somebody and she was a huge fan of. I want. I'm not sure if it was live or Counting Crows, but Counting Crows and Live were playing together. And I was a big enough fan of live at that point. It was this is a post secret Samadhi kind of stuff where like oh. they were still kind of a y kind of sounding band. You remember that secret Samadhi album it has a lot of helmet to it. Now that I yeah. think about it, very crunchy, especially relative to the very Christian stuff that kind of came after it. <laughs> so I was like, I'm on board to see live like secret Samadhi was badass and shit and is super like metal. But what I didn't realize was like, I was going to have to see the counting crows. Oh, she must've been a big live fan. This is what happened. So counting crows played first and then live played second. And we're sitting there and watching Counting Crows, and I'm fucking miserable. And we're up on the lawn, right? And she's having a good time because she likes Counting Crows enough. But I'm just like, oh, I hate fucking Where where was this one? Amphitheater. Sorry, I should have said it's at the end. I was at, well, Budweiser stage now, but like amphitheater then. Yeah. And out of nowhere, like Counting Crows ends, and we're getting getting ready to watch live. And now I'm a little bit more interested because like a band that I like is going to be on. And out of nowhere, this very nice couple came up to us on the lawn. We're like, hey, are you guys staying for live? And we were like, yep take like her favorite band so we're absolutely gonna stay and like i'm on board like, so cool we hate them so here's our tickets you want to go sit nice. in the pit we were second row for nice. live that night so we ended up like like going from the lawn where we cheaped yeah, yeah, out and yeah. bought lawn seats to second row and i was like yeah right this band's pretty fucking good live actually <laughs> <So>. <laughs> i did something like that uh also at molson amphitheater uh with and this is a concert i pretty sure i mentioned last time that we did this but uh, it was pink opening for lenny kravitz nice okay and for whatever reason there were like some seats pretty far down that were still open during during kravitz Mm -hmm. and so like i just kind of like snuck down there and like got past one of the security dudes kind of thing and like watched most of kravitz from like because our seats like I, I can't remember who I saw that one with. It might've been my sister. My, I, might, or I might've gone to that one on my own. I don't know. Yeah. Like, so I, I got down a lot closer for Kravitz <laughs> and that was, I mean, Kravitz puts on a fucking outstanding show. Yeah. Although I've seen him a couple times. He was really good live. I've had a couple of like good front row experiences, but like the one, my favorite one, cause it's actually a story is we were, I had a bunch of friends that were like, really wanted to see red hot chili peppers right and mm-hmm. i'm just like concert guy so everybody's like oh if we invite mark he'll just come along because he just likes going to shows even though you hate chili even peppers. though i hate the chili peppers the only reason i said yes is because opening for them was stone temple pilots and oh, nice. stone temple pilots are fucking awesome live so yeah. i was like i'm gonna go watch scott wyland play lizard man i'm on board yeah be all fucking tripped Weird. out on heroin <laughs> i'm whatever man he was an entertaining front man for his time you know so i was on board for that But what happened was like we get to amphitheater and we're sitting in our seats like out in the two hundreds or whatever, like we were under the the underhang or whatever. And Scott Whelan comes out and he starts the show and like a song in, he's like, "Fuck this! There's not enough people in front of me. I want all of you people who are sitting here watching us to get down in the mosh pit right now, right?" And the security, you can see the security people go, "Oh, oh no!" (laughs) But we were like. He just told us to fucking do it. So we grabbed our shit and rushed, right? Like, went right down. I I leaped over that fucking, like, there's a rail. rail. I hopped over the rail to, like, get past the security guys. Although I could have just completely plowed through them. But fuck it. I don't want to hurt anybody. So I jumped the rail. And I took that 10-foot fall. So (laughs) that was fun. (laughs) But, yeah. So now we're in the mosh pit, right? Like, And the seats just started to get kind of, like, torn out kind of thing. Because there's three times too many people in the mosh pit now. (laughs) And in between the show, I can see the security around the edge trying to grab people and like check their tickets. Yeah. But I'm like, you lost control. Like it's over. It's yeah, like, done. It, like, done. This is done. This is over. Like out of the war control, is, yeah. The war is done now. The yeah. only reason I left the pit is because the fucking chili peppers were so boring <laughs> that I could I didn't want to stand and listen to Fushianti do a longer solo anymore. Yeah. So I finally just like left and they're like, Hey, do you have your ticket? I'm like, Yeah, here. And he's like, You're supposed to be way up there. And I was like, Yeah, I'll go back there now because this shit sucks. Basically, <laughs> like fucked up. I was like, these guys suck. STP was way better. So <laughs> that was like the rush to the front show. I have I have a we got lottery tickets one year for Pearl Jam. So in 2011, they were doing like the PJ twenty tour, and Neil Young mm-hmm. came out to play, and we were second row for that show at in Toronto, my sister and I. That was amazing. Because you never really get to be front row unless you're like very, very like low in the 10 club order kind of thing yeah 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 like you got to be like and my number's fine but it's like right in the middle kind of thing now probably lower a quarter basically now but yeah. i'm never going to get to the front row with that number but they started doing these random lotteries because i guess they were sick of seeing the same fucking f- Hundred yeah. people in the front the row same, board like, every time. Now, like sixty-year-old dudes in the front row, exactly. Like right? the same age as them, because it's basically yeah. the guys who would have seen them early on, right, and joined the fan club in the '90s and that kind of stuff. And they, I guess they got sick of seeing those people in the front row. It, it caused a big hubbub in the like the fan club community, yeah. but the rest of us were like, "Good, you fuckers are always yeah, down there, and you're the not doing chance. anything." Yeah. Like, we'll get down there and we'll give them some fucking energy because, like, I'm not sixty and fucking tired of all this shit yet, or whatever. Like. <laughs> 40 and tired of all this shit, but I still like want <laughs> to see Pearl Jam, you know, like Pearl Jam's fucking awesome life. So yeah, no, yeah. that was fun. I'm trying to think what else. Uh Lee's and my like Lee's and her husband now, because they want to come to shows with me all the time. I'm bad for buying pairs of tickets. And mm-hmm. then, like, giving them to them and forcing them to pay the exact same amount of money on an upgrade for one ticket. a single to me. ticket. Yeah. So I end up like front row for a perfect circle, front row for Guns N' Roses, front row for <laughs> other stuff. Cause so I just like, you, you go on StubHub and look for a single. You can sometimes find amazing seats. Yeah. And with one ticket. Yeah, and most people, people don't buy, like that. four tickets and they only need three or something. Yeah. Sort. And so they're just so, like, dumping one. Yeah, so you, I, I'll go and fucking snag that for myself, and end up like front row at like random shows because mm. like I went that day and like grabbed a ticket, and that's what happened. Um, and also, and I'll pay two hundred fifty bucks for a front row seat <laughs> if I have the opportunity to. Right? I feel like you have like are overall concert experiences it sounds like you've been to way more like big fucking like stadium assigned seating concerts and i've been to a few of those but like most of what i've been to are like festivals or much smaller venues where just everybody's fucking crammed my sweet summer child oh my sweet (laughs) summer child i'm just telling the big stories you know what i mean i've seen well so so here's a small club story and this is a guns and roses related story i went and saw uh pistols and daisies which is it's technically Guns N' Roses. It was uh Guns N Roses without any of the members except for Axel, right? Because I never thought I was gonna get a chance to actually see Guns N' Roses together. So mm. I went and saw Axel perform. And it was at the docks, like the worst venue in the city. <laughs> and I'm outside and um I think I was I was I, I was living in the city, so I must have been vaping, but I was outside and I I didn't interact with him, but I saw and yelled at Axel Rose because he was outside smoking a joint. <laughs> and I was like, Axel! And this is back in Axel's, like, he had the braids in kind of thing. Like, he had the cornrows or whatever. Remember when he had that look going on? And I was like, Axel, fucking love you, buddy, kind of thing. And he literally, like, all he did was just, like, thanks, and just walked back inside. And I was like, cool, I saw Axel Rose. And then I walked in, like, watched him perform and stuff like that. But, like, I just randomly, like, walked into Axel Rose, because I went outside for a cigarette, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not a fun, like, excellent, good story. It was just like, uh, hey, look, there's that guy. And he, like, shrugged in acknowledgement of me and i felt like i'd been (laughs) i touched the hem of christ or whatever at that point so yeah do you have any like well i'm i'm gonna interject here like i've got a few like sort of before they were big kind of stories oh yeah i got lots of those. Uh, so like one was i saw the unicorns play at do you ever go to the underground in hamilton yeah that's that's the danko jones incident was oh, okay. at the underground in Hamilton, yeah. actually. And I uh, was one of my early, like, I saw them before they were big. Like, he, when he started coming around on the first, like, bunch of his EPs and stuff like that, mm-hmm. he's playing down here all the time. He's a Toronto guy, right? So he come down to Niagara and play. Yeah, yeah. And I got in, like, a free show and watched him. I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. And I got to watch him, like, just blow up in a year going from, yeah. like, nothing. Like, just amazing live shows, right? Like, that's all his reputation was. Like, Dynamite Live Show, Dynamite Live Show, Dynamite Live yeah, Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I saw him live and I'd never heard any of the stuff before. I was like, yeah, he's really good. So I bought the, like, cause you, then you'd go to the table after the show and buy the CDs from you. It's great. Give me the music. Yeah. Give me the music. So I was like, I'm on board with Danko early on. And then like that bounce video came out on much music and he blew the fuck up. And all of a sudden I'm like, I saw Danko the first time with five people at this (laughs) shitty club called the hideaway in St. Catharines and a fucking (laughs) grease fire started. So we had to stop his set in the middle of it (laughs) while they put the fire out. I shit you not. And like the, like the next time I see him, he's got 300 people and he's thanking me for knocking a dude out or whatever in yeah, Hamilton yeah. or, you know what I mean? Or probably that's probably wasn't the next time I saw him. I would go see him every time he came around. Those shows were just like the most intense live energy, like high energy yeah. shows. Uh, I remember seeing him playing at mansion house downtown in St. Catharines, and we broke the fence. Like there's fences kind of like encasing <laughs> us, and yeah. people kept pushing out until the fences that were encased, like poured into concrete Literally cracked out from people Ooh. leaning on them. It was crazy, but man, that show was fucking fun. Like he's screaming "lover call" at the top of his lungs. on uh, it's like it was uh, grape and wine season kind of thing. Mm. So there's just everybody's plastered and out in the streets, and there's Danko up on an elevated stage, like above St. Paul Street, screaming at the top of his lungs. Nice. So much fun. Well, I was gonna say, yeah, at the at the the underground, I Ooh. definitely, and this is while I was at Master, I definitely saw the unicorns there like pretty early on like just after their like one their only full-length album had dropped yeah. and like that that one i always hold really dear because they weren't together very long and they never really toured very much so that i'm really glad that i did get a chance to see them sort of live and in their prime kind of thing mm-hmm. um it was a really cool show again like it was not like packed but it was you know it was there was a good number of people there like enough people had heard about them at that point and it was a it was like a College town, right? Like Hamilton, like, you yeah. know, so people would, you know, that word would spread around campus. So that was a cool show. And then I also saw this is not like before they were famous, but I did see Tegan and Sarah play at the Underground as well. Like, okay. pretty yeah. early for them, like early 2000s kind of thing. Like, yeah. I mean, nowhere near as famous as they are now for like yeah, the yeah. fucking Lego movie shit. Uh, but like, I always forget they, about they, they've like, already been around for a few years. Famous that, for the Lego Movie more than anything else at this point. Yeah. Like they're still Tegan and Sarah, like Canadian indie pop girls to me. Yeah, and yeah. I'm Like okay, yeah. But I mean, they've been around since the late '90s. Already. They totally have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I saw them there, and it was a Halloween show. So they were both in like kind of half-ass costumes. I can't remember which one, but one of them was wearing like the most like half-ass like mouse costume ever, kind of thing, yeah, and fair making jokes about it the whole time because they're just sarcastic as fucking shit yeah and so like it wasn't like an overly amazing live show or anything like that because they're like relatively subdued but like you go just because they have a good fucking attitude about things and they're like they're they're the kind of people that just won't take shit and are really fucking grounded and down to earth kind of thing that was the uh, the one time I met the guys that are in Constantine's uh, was at the underground so like I'd seen I'd already seen them that one time at Lee's Palace with weaker then so I was kind of on board Mm -hmm. already but like I found out, like a couple days later, they were playing in Hamilton, right? And I'm, i just before I knew they were from Guelph, so I'm like, oh, I don't know when they're going to be back around, so I'll just go see this Hamilton show, melt my face off kind of Hamilton show, like just sweaty, disgusting club show that Constantines like are only capable of putting on, yeah. and like this is just before Shine a Light came out, kind of thing. So like nobody mm-hmm. was there for it, and he's like screaming to twelve of us, you know what I mean, like. He's trying to redeem all 12 of us from his fucking stage, basically. And, like, half the crowd's, like, doesn't even know who the fuck they are. And the other half of us were like, were you at that Toronto show the other day? We're going to get our fucking brains melted off, right? Like, (laughs) these guys are nuts. And, yeah, they were, like, you would have thought they had 400 people in front of them when they had, like, maybe 200 kind of thing. No, there may have been 100 people in the entire place that probably, well, how much did the underground fit? Like maybe two, three maybe I don't. I would say maybe two hundred max. Yeah, it's not yeah. not a big venue. No, it's. I mean, it's it's literally in the basement of another yeah. club, and it's like low ceiling kind of mm-hmm. place. And like it's it's super claustrophobic. There's fucking pillars. Oh yeah, I'm trying like to think. Like, like, terrible, like terrible venue yeah. and horrible acoustics. But like, yeah. it's one of those places that you can go and see like an up and coming band yeah. for cheap. And then like, if you're lucky, which I was a couple of times, those bands you know go on to fucking make a big later. Yeah, no, I remember being like it must have been fifty people. In the audience, and he, yeah. you would have thought the place was crammed to the fucking gills the way they were playing the show. So I was like, yeah. "These guys are fucking awesome." So, and I had just seen them play a, a crammed to the gills show that was exactly the same. Like you'd think they were trying to like fucking do religious conversions, like they're yeah. so into it, kind of thing. It was nuts. But. Yeah, I can only imagine. Like. The sound of the Constantines in this like oh, tiny little fucking space God. like that. It's fucking- like unicorns are you know they're they're, pop, yeah. they're cool, but it's poppy. And same with T- like Tevin and Sarah, they're not like a big fucking bombastic like well, huge wall of sound kind of band like the Constantines can be. We saw I fuck this is while with the pod the, the podcast was on, but like last year or was it last year or the year before we were still in Milton at the time. So whenever the fuck that was in the fucking vast three expanse years of time, ago something like that at this point. But I saw the Tea Party do that run of shows at the Horseshoe mm-hmm. in Toronto, and that's like the tiniest fucking venue of all time, and it's just sweaty. And it was like around Christmas time-ish, right? So like, also another there. just shitty fucking venue, oh, like terrible it's, venue, it's, like it's weirdly shaped. Yeah, and like It's awful. No the sight lines are terrible. Like half, yeah, exactly. Like half of the fucking like places you can stand, you can't see half the stage, and shit. yeah, it's brutal. But like, it's it was so cool to just be in like that tiny space and see a band that fucking size just like rip the goddamn place apart because like. The fucking tea party they're loud as balls like without any amplification and you put them up, amped up and then in a small room yeah it's like it's very intense but i guess i like constantine's in that kind of space a bunch because that's kind of what like their level has always been is like yeah, a yeah, yeah. mid-level club kind of thing and they have there's they fill up that fucking room real real crunchy so speaking of of the horseshoe did, do you remember i am spoonbender yeah like they were you know kind of like a Stereo lavish kind of yeah, like band, like, like you know, poppy but but experimental kind of yeah. thing. I got into them, and I know this is something I mentioned on the podcast before. From that like uh Brave New Waves show on CBC Radio that played yeah. like overnight, uh, yeah. and I got into them from that. And like and I used I, to tape I, it that was, show. Geez. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. how old we are. Like we're yeah. how old I am. We used to tape it, and then I figured out you can rip the stream. And get an MP3 out of it and it was easier to listen to On my creative zen or whatever Yes yeah, so, so I saw that they were playing And I went to it and it was just I mean they were exactly what you would imagine They would be live it was just this real Fucking trippy like Experience and Again it was the horseshoe this weird Fucking venue with weird acoustics And they had like projections And weird fucking visuals on the stage And shit like that too And Yeah that was a pretty Pretty fucking memorable show too so, I guess were you at SARS Fest? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Last, we talked about last that time. one too. Yeah. Okay, I was so say. At, at SARS Fest, I was I was in like the little a little compound off to the side of the stage because my oh, dad knew right. one of the guys that was involved with the military uh, side of like it division or whatever that was organizing it and doing the logistics for it. So yeah, okay, fair enough. I just yeah. remember like that was just like because it's, it's like awesome. the op obviously Jesus, the opposite end mess. of talking about club shows but just like yeah the, 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 I was trying to think of that that's probably the biggest maybe, show I've ever maybe been the in. biggest show that's ever happened in yeah Canada, Canada, Canada. yeah <laughs> like I, I remember being in the middle of that like sea of humanity and like there was a minute where I was like I was afraid. so glad I was not <laughs> I was almost afraid for a second I remember like like when ACDC was no tea party was pretty lively but like when ACDC came on and started AC/DC like blew that fucking place off blew the yeah. fuck yeah and like they, that became like I will go see them every time they come around if I possibly can get to them because they're so yeah. much fun live I even went and saw them when they played with Axel. Like, that's another big oh, like, story. Like when they went, they did that tour with Axel, I went and saw him and I got into an argument with an old school. AC. It was one of those arguments. Like, why are you even here? Kind of thing. It was yeah. like an old school AC/DC fan was there. And all he did was like sit next to me and bitch about Axel not being as good as Brian Johnson or whatever. And I was like, why would you show up then? He's like, well, why are you here? And I'm like, Cause it's ACDC with Axl Rose. I'm curious more <laughs> yeah, than anything exactly. else. Right. Like it's, it's a curiosity at this point. I'm an ax, like I'm a guns and roses fan and an ACDC fan. And like, this is just the weirdest fucking, co- I mean, it's not really. Cause like they did a lot of uh, ACDC covers early on. Like there's covers of them doing like a whole lot of Rosie and like dirty deeds yeah. and shit like that. They're like terrible fucking taped off like old Maxell tapes and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah but like yeah so I, like it made sense to me when that happened but it was still like they were bitch and like crazy in the crowd that <laughs> night. going back to really small venues did you I, i'm guessing you probably never went to do you, did, have you even heard of a venue called the Ford Plant that was in Brantford yep so i knew the guy i knew Tim Ford that ran the place oh okay yeah he, he was in he was in my same year in high school and like okay. we and we didn't really hang out that much. Like there was a couple, he's probably one of the reasons that I ended up getting into Weezer. Cause like there were a couple of sort of eventy kind of things. Well, this also ties back to like Canadian music, but, uh, Obi-Ju, Oh, uh, the, oh my the God. lead, the lead singer of Obiju, Casey Messiah, uh, was also in my grade in high school. Oh. And so she did like this really like touchy feely sleepover thing. One weekend at our high school, she organized it and everything. And, uh, she, It was, you know, very much like, you know, sort of, you know, multi... I don't even know how to describe it. It was very much like a whole, you know, trying to expand your horizons and, like, just be more empathetic with other people's situations and that sort of thing, and, like, peace and justice and all that sort of, like... It was real, like, hippie kind of thing, but I was like interested in it. And I was like pretty involved in all like the extracurricular stuff at the time. So I went to it and I'm pretty sure Tim Ford was there too. And like one of the things that just ended up happening at one point was, uh, I think he was playing like Weezer songs on acoustic guitar in a little like courtyard in our high school at one point. And, I'd heard like the Weezer singles and stuff like that, but I hadn't heard. This was probably even before Pinkerton. Mm-hmm. I hadn't I hadn't heard like even some of like the B sides off of Blue album kind of thing. So he was playing some of that sort of stuff, and I was like, "This is great, I love it." And then I also remember the night we were all sleeping on the floor in the cafeteria, and I got you know a very early Casey Messiah performance because she played what's the song the the like final song on the smashing pumpkins dual album uh twilight and starlight or whatever no melancholy and the infinite sadness and then the this the, is the disc or twilight and starlight or something like that yeah. yeah i know i had the cd even though i fucking hate that goddamn band so but it was like the the like basically the lullaby i think at the end of the second album it's like good night to every single hour and then and and good night's the last one yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's the one it's I can't believe it, but like melancholy is still in my iTunes list. And that's, I'm, I'm looking through iTunes trying to think of like bands that I've seen that would be good stories. Yeah. And, uh, I have seen incidentally, so, I've seen smashing pumpkins three fucking times and they sucked I, AI all three <laughs> times. They are terrible live. Like, Ford plant blew up while I was it sort of it blew up like after I moved back to Brantford after I worked at Disney World and was like fi- I finished up my my undergrad at McMaster and then worked at Future Shop for a few years. Mm-hmm. So like I was there during that time and a couple of my friends at Future Shop were like into music and stuff like that, too. And so we went to a few shows there and like it was, again, like bands that kind of blew or you know, blew up for Canada, at least like later, like stuff like Owen Pallet who went on to be like final fantasy Tokyo police club, like kind of before they got pretty big, uh, the Durbervilles before they got pretty big. And then like the dude spun off and did diamond ring as well. Yeah. Um, so I saw like all those bands there and I remember having like some crazy fucking nights. Like they did a festival one year where it was like, you know, a half dozen bands playing throughout the course of the day. And I stayed the whole time with this friend from a future shop that I had. And like, we stayed after the shows and everything and Tim and his like co-runners or whatever, the space like invited us down into their basement where they had like a fucking couple ratty old couches and we just got baked as fuck. And I think I like went back. Yeah. Well, I I think (laughs) I, yeah, I definitely like went home in the daylight hours kind of thing. Yeah. Fair enough. After that. (laughs) I was just thinking about like seeing people who were like, like before they were big. And I remember seeing a, not quite famous yet. Nico case uh, opening mm. for, Oh God, it was either Sean Tucker or like Sarah McLaughlin. I can't remember mm. who it was, but it was, a, it was in Toronto. And I, so this is before that, that new pornos album. Oh yeah. It was before the first new pornos album came out, I think, or like it was around that time kind of thing, but we were going to that see was like 2003 or something. Yeah. So it was like probably 2001, 2002. She was just like bombing around this, like just touring and doing her own stuff kind of thing before mm-hmm. that. And she opened for, and I didn't remember this this is funny because it was like a thing uh one of my friends who's in town now like I go to shows with her she's the person who would drag me to Smashing Pumpkins shows incidentally and we had gone to this show together so it's either yeah it was either Chantal Griffey, Isaac, or Sarah McLaughlin. it was a singer songwriter like girl at a piano show it might have been Sarah Sleen also I'm not sure mm-hmm. but uh yeah I saw a very like pre-famous Nico Case like basically do four songs and get booed off stage before like Sarah Sleen <laughs> came out or whoever might've been Sarah McLaughlin actually came out and was like, you guys were really mm-hmm. mean to her. And like, I think you are an apology. And we were like, I was like, yeah, I don't, you're probably right. Probably right. I wasn't really paying attention to like what was going on. <laughs> so whatever. But yeah. So like that, that was somebody I saw really early on. We were, I probably told the wide mouth Mason story where like Eric and I almost got like arrested going across the border. I was just thinking about that one again. I don't remember. Is that I, I skipped through everybody else? Yeah, stuff. But we he went. We, we were the... going like to see them across the border, and like we we got stopped at the border, and they they had also got stopped at the border, and we got stopped because we didn't exactly know where the venue was. Like we were. Oh yeah, you did tell them. Yeah, that. and then we yeah. th- we basically got to find out where the venue was from the band themselves, and <laughs> kind of let us hang out with them and shit yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. that night. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Ooh, so that was Matthew fun. Mason? Yeah, like and there is like a band. They still do stuff apparently. Like he's, I'll hear them like doing new shit and i'm like why i guess <laughs> yeah, all right exactly. cool who's still out there clamoring for wide mouth mason shows i don't know man <laughs> i do not know I'm trying to think what else to talk about Cause like i've seen like it's the thing is like i've seen like anything that i've gotten my itunes videos, i'm like oh i have a story about going to see them because like i went and saw like system of a down uh i saw them at cops coliseum like right during toxicity mm. and they had mershuga open for them And Meshuga was better than System of a Down was, like, sound-wise, because they're just a way more technically proficient band. Like, System's Mm -hmm. good, but, like, is like clockwork. So that was when I got into Meshuga, actually. Like, they blew System of a Down out of the water to me anyway, and I was like, oh, I don't really care about any System of a Down shit, but this Meshuga guys are fucking dope. (laughs) It's really heavy stuff, but, like, it was pretty fun. I got to play basketball with the guys in Sparta, with George Strambolopoulos one time uh no, they man. were rec- they were recording an episode of like the new music or rapid facts or something like that and they were playing sparta, at the operatives. like the emo e like math rock band they were the so when at the drive-in broke up it split into yeah, two yeah. bands yeah. uh one was the stuff. mars volta and sparta was the other band i think they're yeah. all back together in at the drive-in now anyway but i got really into sparta for a little while like those two albums were really good i like them anyway more than yeah. i liked any of the mars volta stuff for some reason <laughs> but either way so I went and saw Sparta and they were playing it. Like it was either Lee's or the opera house or something like that. And we were just bumming around the venue like early during the day. And I saw George Strombolopoulos in the streets. And this is the first time I'd met him. Like, and now he recognizes me at shows. He's like, Oh, Hey Mark, how's it going? Cause he saw me at Queens of the stone age last time and shook my hand. Cause he was like, Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Nice. And I was like, we haven't been to shows at the same time apparently, but you know, yeah. hopefully we can rectify that at some point. Would you still get that drink, George, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Because you know, I met George the first time He was came to speak at Brock We had a Canadian University press thing And we had him come in and talk to the newspapers and shit mm. So we took him out that night in St. Catharines And like we took him to the mansion house And got, got drinks in him and shit like that George was nice. fucking dope <laughs> Yeah but uh, so he was recording So this is the first time I met George Mr. Strombolopoulos for you know <laughs> Everybody else I guess But he was like and he didn't know us But we were like there for Sparta that night And he's like hey are you here to see Sparta I'm like yeah and he's like, "Cool, do you want to come like hang out with the band?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, sure, you know, <laughs> yeah, all right." Yeah. Absolutely. So well, they're shooting like must have been Rapid Facts or one of those like Much News or whatever the fuck he did. Mm-hmm. I can't remember anymore. And they're out back of the venue at like a park shooting hoops, right? Nice. While he's interviewing with them, I'm in the footage, but they cut me out. I was shooting hoops <laughs> with them while they're doing this thing, right? So <laughs> there I am, like. And I, I he's like, Oh, well you'll be on TV like tomorrow or something like that. I'm like, cool. So I went and looked for myself. I'm like, dude, you cut me out of everything. Like, I I think I saw my boots at one point. You know what I mean? <laughs> you sucked well, let's be honest. You were not in the yeah. <laughs> you you were not the reason for the segment. <laughs> yeah, also you're not in Sparta. And I was like, I know, but you know, <laughs> cool. <laughs> but either way, yeah, like George Farda is one of those like it's like the much music VJs all kind of became like people you run into at shows all the time. I remember old Matthew Good shows, like, back in the day where I would, like, walk into Rick Campanelli and Bill Wilichka and stuff Campanelli, like that, because yeah. they would just be, they were fans of the band, so they would show up at the shows. Like, Bill Wilichka, second biggest Tea Party fan on the planet after me, basically. Yeah. Like, he goes to every Toronto show. He's always side stage every time. So, it's, like, now I run into them. That they, It's, like, that weird recognition that famous people get when they see, mm-hmm. like, somebody, like, 58 times, but they have no real interaction with them at all, and they'll just be, like, why do i know you and i'm like because we've been to 400 shows at the same goddamn time yeah exactly i'll stop and shake your hand because you're bill belichka for much music and like you know all these guys you know like that kind of stuff so you're semi-famous i guess right like you're much music famous <laughs> yeah i ran into all those. i remember when that blonde girl started amanda and like everybody had a huge crush on her she was at like an early oh, yeah, show, yeah, yeah. Like yeah two rows in front of me like the whole night and oh, i didn't yeah. recognize her <laughs> but like the people I was, but like that's so and so from Much Music. I'm like, why do you guys still watch Much Music? It's 2004. Like yeah, exactly, they don't play music anymore. Yeah, they don't play music anymore. So what's the <laughs> fucking point? They're like, she's cute though, right? I'm like, yeah, right, sure, It's fine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kathleen Rasp was gone by then. That was my like OG uh, Much Music crush was the Rapid Facts <laughs> girl from like the late. Her and Rachel Perry. No, was it Rachel Perry? Was the other Rapid Facts girl?
1: Rebecca, know. Rebecca I, something. I
0: don't know. I definitely watched Much Music, but probably not as much as you did. Yeah, no, I liked much music quite a bit. I would watch it, like, all day. All the time. Well, they played all my stuff, right? Like, it was constantly yeah. playing, like, crungy, like, hard rock and stuff. So I was on board in the late 90s. Trying to think. Who have I seen that we should talk about? I saw the Stone Rose. No, not wasn't Stone Rose. It was uh, Manic Street Preachers at okay. Phoenix. And that was the most random show. Because Paul and I didn't even really think about it. We were just, like, you want to go see a show? We are like, sure, what's ha- what's happening? Manic Street Preachers are playing. I was like, oh, that sounds like a band I like, like I like. If you tolerate this, like let's go see that. Yeah, exactly. That one song, fucking amazing live show though. Like they were fantastic live. And then I ended up running into like half the people I know because apparently a lot bunch of my friends who are now Toronto like residents are Mm. giant Manic Street Preachers fans. It's like all my friends who are now teachers in Toronto were at this show. I ran into like six (laughs) different people. I'm like, what are you doing now? They're like teaching at so and so school up the street. I'm like. Is everybody a teacher and, like, into Manic Street Preachers? What, when did that happen? Is that a scene? <laughs> like, what's this about? Is it, like, Weezer and Doctors? Like, Is that what's going on? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. What else? We've been going for a while. I guess we could, like, start to kind of wrap up. Do you have anything else you want to, like, bring up? Do you have a big story to fucking cap us off with, Tim? I guess the, the, the only other big one that I haven't really mentioned yet, the... Polyphonic Spree at Lee's Palace in Toronto. Mm. I fucking loved that first album that they did. And I was like super here for it. It was just what I needed in the middle of undergrad kind of thing was just this super fucking uplifting, weirdly cultish fucking band song or album kind of thing that was by, and I already liked tripping Daisy. And so like I carried over that same stuff because Tim to laughter was the lead dude from tripping Daisy and the lead dude in polyphonic spree. But that was just, it was such a fucking surreal experience because they tour with a full fucking choir and uh, you know, all these like a huge fucking like group of musicians. And I don't know how they could have fucking possibly afforded to tour with that many people and like pay that many people and shit like that. And I'm pretty sure it was actually a cult, but it's, it was still just a fun, like, just really out there kind of surreal concert experience. Because, like, they were, you know, super, like, everybody was super enthusiastic. And, you know, they were encouraging everybody to sing along and fucking dance like idiots and shit like that. And that's just not, you know, it's, it's especially in, Tor- like, a Toronto show kind of thing. Yeah, you they know, were getting, the time, like, people are just, like, standing there, like, swaying back and forth. But, like, this was, like, people were, like, genuinely engaged and fucking hyped to be there kind of thing. I have seen the Polyphonic Spree actually. Oh yeah? Yeah, they opened for David Bowie. Oh nice. I wonder, yeah. I did see I did see Bowie, but I don't think that, Three I don't think Spree was opening them for for them when I saw them. <laughs> the two that I remember specifically when I saw Bowie, one was uh Area 2, so it was Bowie then Moby and everybody left during Moby, which <laughs> including us cuz I was like I just saw David Bowie, fuck Moby, I don't give a shit. And then I saw he headlined, I think it was Reality or it was Reality, I think that tour. And he had the Polyphonic Spree open for him at Air Canada Center. And we got there in time to see Polyphonic Spree. And I would believe that they were a real cult. But like, if you're asking how they afforded to bring all those people on tour, I would imagine that doing a David Bowie tour probably offered some funds to their coffers and allowed them to move that a was, lot of people around. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't know when they toured with Bowie because... It would have been two thousand four, two thousand five. I think it was the reality album. This was two thousand three that I saw them at Lee's Palace. This was like this was the only thing that they had done was that one album. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like they were like they were a not like a huge like mainstream deal, but they yeah they, they I mean they made waves kind of thing. Yeah. It was they they were a big flash in the pan sort of thing when they when they dropped that one big album. So people like going crazy about them for like a year, and then like they yeah. opened for Bowie, and I was like, I just oh, love was- that symphonic pop kind of shit, and so it was right up my alley. But I think I think I was at that uh, 2004 Bowie show, uh, A Reality. Yeah, um, at ACC. It was that was a dope show. He was. I, mean, he, was I mean, that one I was at, or was no? I definitely wasn't at the Molson Amphitheater one because the show that I saw was definitely indoors. So yeah, it must have been ACC. Air yeah. Canada Center, that was yeah. the like out of the Bowie shows that I did see, that was my favorite one. He was just like on fire that night and like yeah. having so We're much in, like, fun. Wasn't he wearing like an all denim outfit or some yeah, shit? Yeah, well, like while that? he started, yeah. he did he did a couple outfit changes throughout that kind of stuff yeah I'm Trying of like yeah because i've seen both i saw Bowie twice did, like little wonder like he, he, he oh, did yeah. or he did like some of that like shit that he did with uh yeah he did with, with trent. Uh, trent yeah yeah he did that because he played i'm afraid of americans that night because i remember him commenting specifically he's like i don't know what it is but for some reason when i play this song in this town it goes very well and <laughs> yeah. he started playing uh afraid of americans and everybody yeah. fucking went nuts lost their fucking mind at the end of the song he was like Thank you for proving my point, basically. Like, and I'm like, boy, God, I love you. You're the most charming motherfucker alive. Like, yeah, we're going to scream. Of course, a fucking hockey arena full of Canadians is going to fucking like chant for yeah, David Bowie singing, I'm afraid of Americans. Yeah, absolutely. Andy finished that concert. The end of his encore was Ziggy Stardust, yep. which is like, I that was the song that me and my band in high school would always end our, all of our fucking shows with. And so yeah. like, it just really fucking hit all the feels for me. I think Bowie's Bowie's probably a good note to to end on, especially considering that's another one where we were both fucking there and didn't know it. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about like legendary bands that I've seen. Like I'm I'm staring at Prince right now, and I'm like, I saw Prince twice, and yes. I remember the one time I saw him it was like Musicology or something like that. It was at Air Canada Center, and they given us the CD, and I remember it was like my most popular tweet or retweet or something like that. I wrote something like, I can't get out of this Prince show because everybody's too busy fucking around me. At this point, because like after the show was done, everybody was just like all over each other. It was nuts. Like yeah. it was like two hours of prints. Like the man was, the goddamn was a goddamn mask. He's fucking he's a walking orgasm. Fuck aphrodisiac. He would just like be in the presence of the man just <laughs> everywhere. It's, yeah, full pants. Yep. So yeah, there you go. Full pants is the way to end the episode. Let's move on to get that. <laughs> I'm sure you know what's funny is like I could do this. I could do 400 more episodes like this because I have. I'm like, sure you could. I, I've, I've seen I'm so kind of many dry at this point. Yeah, but, no, that's yeah. I have to, I'll have to get Paul on or something like that and do more concert stories because like I've seen so many bands at this point. Yeah. Like it almost be like worth doing an episode where you go through a list of bands and I can tell you yes or no as to whether I've seen them because yeah. like it's it's that kind of like yeah it's, it's almost easier to just ask me the bands I haven't seen yeah, at this yeah. point because like <laughs> I, I go kind of see everything. Like I'm well, looking just right now. I'm in the P's. Uh, Philosopher Kings, yes. Pixies, yes. Placebo, yes. Uh... Pixies I saw at Coachella. Yeah. Prince, yeah, obviously. The Prodigy I saw, yep. Queen, couldn't see Queen. Queens of the Stone Age, yep. REM, yep. Like, I've just seen a lot of (laughs) shit, apparently. Metallica. Real statics I've seen a couple times. Yeah, like, just... I was even looking, we were like uh, at the venue last night at the, we, we could close up and they were like, yeah, we're at the amphitheater or Budweiser stage or whatever and up on the stage, it's like, they have the screens showing like what, what is coming up kind of thing and mm-hmm. there was like Blue Rodeo, September 23rd and I'm like, you know what, I might go to that show just to get the fucking new concert kind of thing before they yeah. shut all this crap down again but I've seen Blue Rodeo a couple of times and they're pretty good live and like at this point, there's no Tragically Hip anymore, so mm-hmm. I need something. either way yeah, so that was, I mean, yeah, I could do this again, but I guess you're you're tapped out. I'm getting close to being tapped out. I've I maybe got a couple more that I could uh, squeeze out. But. Like, that's the thing is, like, as we talk, I'm remembering random shit, right? Same so, like, here, yeah. Like, there's definitely shows that I'd totally fucking forgotten that I was at during this conversation. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I, like, I went to this show that was similar to that one, that kind of thing. So, remembering, like I, like, I was looking at Trail of Dead and remembering, like, the owner of the phoenix coming out and screaming at their lead singer because you know those the the speakers that are suspended by chains above the stage he was hanging off them, right hanging off them yeah. and like swinging out and like the guy was out there screaming at him and he was like fuck this this trail of dead like I'll, i'm gonna kill the guy first kind of thing like they were yeah. animals it was nuts but awesome <laughs> show awesome show so anyway let's move on to geek cred uh, where we recommend something for you to enjoy that we have recently enjoyed. All right. My gig for this week is the the new Swamp Thing comic series. Uh, it's well, that didn't tell the last time we recommended Swamp Thing. Actually, we didn't really recommend <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we Thing didn't recommend really. Swamp Thing. Uh, this, this is a 10-issue series written by uh, Rom V with art by Mike Perkins and okay. some really beautiful, vibrant colors by Mike Spicer. It's about six issues in right now. Uh, It's a new avatar of the green, quote unquote. Uh, He is an Indian American, like not Native American, like Indian as in India, the country, Uh, which makes for some interesting sort of new directions to the character. Uh, Alec Holland is gone. He like this dude does not really have the benefit of his experience or anything. He just kind of gets like thrust into the role and doesn't really know what's going on. So has to kind of figure out things for himself and he's already met up with Constantine so that's always I, I love when you get the swamp fucking yeah, yeah when you get Swamp Thing Constantine it's always a fun dynamic back and forth well I mean that's like the original like dynamic like he yeah. like Constantine <laughs> originates from the Swamp Thing comic back in the Alan Moore days so mm-hmm. like yeah that, it's always yeah when they do a new Swamp Thing they really have to bring Constantine in to kind of like ratify it almost so yeah and this comic feels very like vertigo both in terms of the, the writing and the art style are both like a little kind of out there and, and abstracty and, and doing more I'm very uh, confused by some of like what DC's doing with that black label stuff and like the Neil Gaiman presents Sandman stuff because it feels like that should all be labeled vertigo and it isn't. And it's just weird because well, like, they killed the vertigo even, imprint. Exactly. Right? But like yeah. even like they just did that like that twelve issue run of Hellblazer, and I was like, That was pretty good. That should have been a vertigo book. Like what is what are they doing with these books? It's so weird. Yeah, basically but, like all this all the like sort of not in continuity stuff is now part of that salmon university you know, okay, or black yeah. label kind of thing. I mean Yeah, there's so much stuff these days that isn't in continuity, which is fine. Like, I'm okay with that. Um, It's just, yeah, I, I agree. I think maybe it was not the best choice to kill off the Vertigo label, especially now that they've got, like, they've also got like this DC horror stuff by that dude's name, Joe Hill or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah. Like that he's doing a bunch of stuff that is like technically under the DC label, but it's DC horror. So it's not really. And it's and, just weird, especially like when one of their like key books is finally getting a TV adaptation, like with why the last man was a huge book for vertigo back in the yeah. day. And like, now they can't, they're calling it a DC comic, but like it never was. It was a vertigo book. It's, and weird. we're about to get that Sandman adaptation yeah, it as well. Too, right? was totally. Like, like all vertigo all the time. When yeah. Man, like originally so, being published it's just I, weird I seeing know. it come up as like DC comics and it's like no i mean yeah i guess but like i should still say fucking vertigo guys like Man. i don't know why you would take first of all the vertigo name is amazing that's like a fantastic name for that kind of publishing imprint. So the fact that you own it and nobody can use it now sucks because it's- They're even bringing back a bunch of those. Well, I know we mentioned this. They're like reviving a bunch of those milestone characters right Mm -hmm. now too, but they're also doing all that under the DC imprint. So I think, you know, they're just trying to kind of harmonize everything under DC, but I just don't think that it really works. Like I think, you know, DC works for that sort of more mainstream superhero-y kind of stuff. But then if you want to go off and do this weird shit, like sure, have DC Black Label for those- stuff you want to do with those DC characters that's mm-hmm. kind of a little more R-rated, but still keep something like Vertigo to do the stuff that's not in continuity with kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's just a weird... The the death of Vertigo is one of those things that just never makes sense to me. And it's one of those things that like, whenever you bring up DC, I'm always like, yeah, but they killed Why Vertigo for some fucking weird reason. Like, some of their decision-making makes no fucking sense to me. <laughs> Either way, since you skipped me last week, I, I noticed in the edit. Oh, did I? Yeah, I totally didn't do a geek cred last week. You just blew ray right past me. <laughs> I didn't God. even notice. Probably like, because I was like, well, wow, this episode so went way too long. Very long, yeah. Um, I was like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine had started again, and I started watching it. And I just like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is kind of like my home base. How did I miss that? Yeah, there are four episodes in now, but like that week, there was like one and two had come out. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't want to spoil anything, like they're doing stuff, like they're trying to change up the formula a little bit because of all the cop stuff and this, that, and the other thing. So it's a little different, but I mean, it's just nice to have those characters back for one more run. I still like love Melissa Fumero, like (laughs) just she's the best. She's so funny. Anyway, yeah. So like, if you're not a Brooklyn Nine-Nine person, you should be, I know the cop stuff is weird now, so it's like hard to recommend that show to people. Um, I remember people were asking me, like, what what show should I watch during the pandemic? And I'm like, I guess not Brooklyn Nine-Nine, even though it is fucking dope and funny. Like, it's about cops and it just feels weird to watch now. But this season has been, they're kind of addressing it this season. So, like, I'm, you know, it's okay. I've I've enjoyed it so far. But, like, yeah, I wasn't going to give up on that show in particular, especially as it's coming into its last season. So Brooklyn Nine-Nine will be my recommendation for this week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, This has been episode 265 of Dance Robot Dance. I can't the numbers just don't make sense in my head when I say them out loud. I'm like so many episodes. Why are we doing this still? Like, why is this <laughs> happening? 265. What is happening? If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcasting app via Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher or Spotify. If you have any thoughts about anything we talked about, if you were at any of the concerts that we were at in common, because that's probably <laughs> going to fucking come up at least once because it happens fucking constantly with me now hit us up on facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast we're on twitter at drd underscore podcast or you can hit up tim directly at drd underscore tim or me directly on twitter at m, uh m underscore will i gotta get a better fucking twitter handle <laughs> so yeah this has been dance robot dance i'm mark I've been here with tim say good night later and we will talk to you about something next week we're not sure yet but we'll figure mm. it out for you nothing's finished yet Nope. we got two weeks until Shang-Chi, so... Yep. Can't wait for Shang-Chi. Excited. <laughs> but either way, we'll I'll talk to you guys later.